Hello there and welcome to another episode of the show. Uh, so I hope you guys are having a great week uh, and you're enjoying it. Sorry I'm getting, I'm kind of starting to get a little bit uh, delayed on when it is that I want to be uploading episodes. I'm doing my best. Uh, sometimes things come up, but I'm I'm definitely wanting to try to get one uploaded within like a seven day window of the time that the last one was was uh, uploaded. I know I don't know if that is going to be the case uh, with this episode in comparison to the last one, but I'm just saying I'm trying and it's on my mind. But when I have other things going on, sometimes it's a little bit hard to find the time. But uh, yeah. It's been a pretty decent week. I've been pretty tired and it's been challenging, but we're getting there. We're getting it done. Looking forward to being done with this this term and uh, just being able to enjoy you know winter break and be able to go do whatever I want and not have to worry about getting home to you know post to a forum or you know fill out some kind of assignment or whatever I'm just I'm getting to the point in the term where I'm just burnt out on all that I'm tired of reading stuff especially with other classes because I'm still finishing up like I'm on like my last term of like prereq so I'm taking a lab-based science credit zoology which although it's it's interesting I'm kind of getting tired of learning about stuff that I just genuinely like I just I know that I'm never going to have to use it, so why am I learning about the Krebs cycle and like cellular respiration and all that, you know? I'm just getting burnt out on it, but it is it's cool. It's interesting stuff, and I could see why somebody would want to go into that field, and I wouldn't mind talking to somebody. Somebody out there listening is like a biologist, marine biologist, zoologist, anything, entomologist, ant, animal, I don't know what it is. But if you're any of those things, and with ologists, hey, hit me up. It'd be a cool conversation. I might know enough to at least keep up and know some of what you're talking about. But, uh, yeah, no, I'll uh, reach out. I appreciate uh, – actually, speaking of reaching out, I got an email from this guy, Sam, who just sent a really quick uh, email kind of saying he checked out a few episodes of the show and was let me know that he thought I was doing a good job. And I just really appreciate that because, uh, you know, even though uh, – he didn't have to take out the, his time to do that. He did, and I really appreciate that. I would I would have still appreciated if he emailed me and said, hey, I think you're doing a poor job. This is what you need to do and what you can try and do to make things better. Um, I would have still really appreciated it, but just hearing, hey, you're doing a great job, it means a lot. So, Sam, if you're checking out this episode, I uh, I appreciate that. And to you know, anyone else that's been listening and has thoughts on the show, Hey, send me an email at no particular podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. But uh yeah, keep telling people about the show too. Um so anyways, I'll keep this moving along. So on today's episode, I'm gonna be speaking with my brother in law uh about his career and path uh to become a commercial airline pilot. Uh, yeah, we speak about his time in the Air Force and what he did in the Air Force and how he decided to become a pilot, uh, where he made that decision, kind of where that drive and inspiration comes from, uh, the challenges that are involved in the, becoming a pilot or being a part of aviation. We chat a little bit about the airline industry in general, kind of, you know, it's uh, 
the challenges that they're facing in the airline industry. And if you're interested into going into that kind of industry at all, you'd, you'll definitely want to listen to this episode. It might give you a little bit more in, insight and uh, inspiration to really just go for it. Because it sounds like they really are looking for more people um, than ever. So anyhow... Um, if, if you're not interested in going into aviation, I hope you can still listen to it and appreciate the episode and, um, maybe the episode will give you a little drive to want to get your private pilot's license and get into flying as a hobby, something like that. Uh, you never know it. Uh, I've always thought it'd be really cool to be able to do that. Just go rent a Cessna for the day and fly around, um, you know, to another state nearby or something like that. Just go enjoy the Enjoy the day flying around in just a small little in a small plane um, with a friend or maybe your significant other. Or, I don't know, but it sounds like fun. Anyhow, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with uh, Gabe Bosberg. about uh first uh, where'd you grow up at uh, i grew up in the midwest iowa like north north central if anybody knows cedar falls waterloo area oh uh, okay a small town right uh north there waverly and then even smaller towns where i was uh, shell rock which is kind of like waverly shell rock is the thing yeah together so i went to school and stuff there yeah and do you have a big family or not a big family just you know one brother uh, older he's uh, he's about five years older than me so. yeah yeah, and then, like, my mom's side, they had a bunch of, they're more local. My my dad's side, they're kind of spread out through the country, yeah. So okay. Pretty typical Midwest kind of family. Chill, yeah. not much going on, you know, here and there, but. What kinds of stuff do they do for work? Or do um, they... Well, my dad and most, a lot of my, my dad, my grandpa and everything, and my other uncles were engineers, really, maintenance oh, guys. okay. So, they, my grandpa was a aircraft maintenance guy in world war ii did the same job i did actually and then oh really my dad for his whole life basically he bounced between when we were pretty i think it was really young he did like a motorcycle shop out of his garage and and he did it professionally at a shop too he worked at various things then he worked on cranes he did like insurance and then like big crane industrial cranes and then now he does like computer network or computer printer stuff for offices and stuff Oh, okay. Like just for a tech company, kind of like an IT co- company, you know. All kinds of like mechanic works, I yeah, guess. Kind of. He's pretty much anything. I'm, anything you could think of, he could probably figure out to, to yeah. fix. You know, it's, that's how my grandpa was. But he worked in a factory for his whole life. So, so like, cool. what's uh, like, what's that area of Iowa kind of like? Is it, isn't it pretty flat over there? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Iowa's prairie kind of rolling hills. Yeah. You know, there's cornfields everywhere. It's Nebraska, Iowa part of Minnesota are all kind of the same even in the Wisconsin are kind of the same farmland and then these small towns speckled here and there and yeah. yeah so so you know I had to take the school bus to get to the you know the school I guess you know because we were in one town we had to go to the other to go to school yeah yeah so is uh is flying like do people fly around over there since it's like kind of I you know I didn't really 
I wasn't aware of it. That was like a hobby people did. Oh. um, I had my brother's good friend, like a few blocks away. His dad had a plane and that he gave me a ride one day. That was like a big deal for me because I was always really into planes, but he he let me fly a little above the little town and it was a pretty short flight, but yeah, I still didn't even know there was like there is a few in flight schools out there I was no idea about. And oh really? <laughs> I had not. I had no idea about any of it because you know, my parents, we didn't ever had that much money for nobody. Nobody around us was into it. It's a pretty small um, community, I guess. So yeah, yeah, but um, and my both my grandpas I guess were maintenance guys and aircraft and i think about it i forgot my other my mom's dad was also a maintenance guy i think he worked on training b-17s or something hmm. but yeah and so what what at what point were you thinking like i kind of want to start working towards like you know getting into like flying and such it was quite a while i mean i'm a little unusual in my story because you know how it's like a small aviation is kind of a small thing and people don't really hard for people to think to like oh i'll get into this yeah it's not like a hobby somebody's like oh, i'll just pick it up like archery yeah. Or, yeah, or whittling or something but i didn't most people i would say have a family member or something that they grew up going to air shows with and they had their own plane or, or like mommy and daddy had a plane you know yeah but that's most people's stories i would say that's um, kind of what I was wondering if maybe yeah, your dad flew or something no, like that. No, nobody really. I didn't have anybody. Hmm. Um, I just liked planes when I was a little. I was pretty good at drawing. I'd draw like F-14s and fighter jets and stuff when I was little, but I never thought it would pan out. Like, Yeah. You never <laughs> thought you'd make anything of it? No. Or... And, you know, and it's just like I had asthma, a bunch of allergies. Hmm. I wasn't like... <laughs> top, gra- uh, top gun material. I just never had yeah. a thought really that it was... And then I kind of just forgot about my interest in it through high school. And and then I guess, like anybody else, everybody's scared of of college debt. So yeah, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. When I was like eight, what was I? I graduated early high school. I was like 18 and I was like, I don't know. So I hung out for a while and then eventually got, I've always been kind of sick of Iowa and <laughs> small um. townness. So I wanted to get out and um, then I started going to the Air Force stuff. Oh, okay. So it really wasn't until like mid to late, well, late Air Force that I just, it was like, oh, what are my options? And then, oh, I could do flying and stuff. So yeah. it was kind of different. Yeah. Was there, um, so were you think you weren't even thinking towards the end of high school? Like, I'm probably going to go into the military or? No, I wasn't. I actually, I was kind of last, I mean, it wasn't on my mind at all. I wasn't, uh, you know, I guess a lot of people were kind of have that idea. Yeah, but I was pretty open ended. And I actually thought I wanted to do like computer networking, like security oh, really? and stuff like that. But then I took like a, a coding class, and I was like, "This is not for me." <laughs> yeah, that's such like another language. Yeah, man. Like you know, I just realized what it actually. It was interesting, and I could you know I could get a lot of satisfaction out of it. But I also just saw myself kind of a lot of stress, and being in an office just didn't really fit with me in that. So I actually went open um open job i guess for for the into the air force which is kind of like a hail mary and oh, okay give so you. you went in like I'll i was do like whatever. you can pick a category it was like four or five different categories and my i picked like elect electronical or electronics so it was like my list my preference list was like computer networking security stuff um aircraft maintenance and some other 
there's a couple other others in there but um yeah but i got aircraft maintenance which and that's kind of how i got back with planes you know oh okay so that was probably because i was on the flight line you know i learned how to you know fix planes i was doing it you know yeah so that kind of reinvigorate that would probably be the the actual moment yeah <laughs> the, for sure or a few years so uh, that did you work any jobs at all in between like high school and going to the air force yeah i had a bunch you know, i was working since i was 13 14 oh, okay i i did on the in the summer i would work as a lifeguard at the little show rock pool just a tiny pool because it's so easy and and it was just a few i just walk and ride my bike into work so i just do that that was that was pretty awesome in the summer um but outside of that i worked at a bunch of restaurant jobs oh okay bounced around a bunch and and whatnot and you know i just i worked a dish the classic dishwasher to fry cook kind of thing that sucked yeah but then i quit that i worked at a movie store for a bit and then i almost got fired from that oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um i quit and when i graduated a semester early at high school i had a buddy i grew up with um kyle we um he had moved out with his mom to california but we were like inseparable when we were younger so I, oh, okay he was just like yeah come out here and so i moved out to san diego for a few months and just oh sweet yeah and he had um him and his buddy his buddy was kind of well off his parents kind of set him up to have his own like uh, middleman uh network computer building company mm -hmm. where he like used his dad's warehouse part of his dad's warehouse had like minimal stuff and his dad's contacts to like set up like ordering network computers for wow. businesses. It was, was pretty cool. It sounds really, I mean, it's, it's, but it was super easy. I had built computer, my like a couple of computers myself just for, yeah. at home and it was pretty easy. So all you did was order, he direct, just ordered direct from manufacturers, assembled yeah. it, installed the OS and then shipped him out out of his dad's warehouse and he was making pretty good money yeah no, that so i ended cool. up like staying a little like longer than i thought and i always thought i was going to go back there but i didn't never ended up uh, i went back to iowa because i wanted to go to school so mm -hmm. i ended up going to the air force instead so it was kind of weird but it was really cool to just get out of iowa that's a big deal i was like i need to you know branch out get out of there yeah and just i love you know i looked my friends were all really cool and stuff it's just i was it's super safe family area, just not a lot going on, and you know, I yeah. wanted to get out, so it was really cool to get out there and on my own. Yeah. Did you uh, did you think about any other branches, or were you thinking like oh, I'm only gonna go to? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So when I after I came back, San Diego, um, kind of bounced around. I still didn't have any idea of a school and whatnot, um, and I kind of didn't. I kind of if I was gonna go to school, I wanted to go to like out of san diego state or something oh yeah so i've known some people out there but uh then i met a girl basically <laughs> yeah met a girl we got pretty heavily involved it bounced back and forth and then um then eventually i just wore on me i was like i'm you know i was like 18 and a half you know or something like that so it's been like a year since i got out high school and i was like i, I just i need to do something I don't know what to do. I like I knew I needed some kind of structure. I, yeah. I I didn't want to pay college loans. Yeah. Really for something that I didn't really know. I wanted you know that I could use or like really uh I don't know be into I guess. Yeah. For a for a job so so I just like in my 
the girl my girlfriend's father was in like the army for like 30 years is like an engineer guy he's oh, okay. in reserves and uh so i talked to him and you know so i had some family members in the navy and then um because i was like man that's I started looking online and was like looking into it. I actually, I was pretty close to going Navy. Oh, really? Um, I even brought my parents in to talk to them, the recruiter guys, but they were kind of intense and they were like my cousin, he's an officer. He's been doing um, instructing for their nuclear school, Oh. Um, nuclear power plant kind of stuff for like, I don't know, exactly just subs, but other various things. But Sounds pretty cool. So they, and they were like, my grades were pretty good. And they said, so they're like, hey, start filling out this top secret background paperwork. And I guess oh. you signed up for this nuclear stuff because we really need people for that. And I didn't sign anything. And I walked out. I remember after that meeting, we walked over to the Air Force guy. Oh. He had his feet up on his desk and was like, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and it was all chill and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I really like planes more than boats. And I was like, if you're in Navy, I don't want to be on a boat for, you know, how much. I don't know how many months, you know, 12 yeah. months or eight months. I don't know what the rotations are, but <laughs> jeez, Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I like, if anything, I like planes more than boats. And so, and yeah. I knew they had more of a, Air Force has more of a, the technical uh, cyber warfare. Kind of, they pretty much hold the, um, hold that down. So yeah, it's like, I'll do that. And they, they get to share more like day to day would be better. I'd just be on base kind of like job kind of thing. Okay. Which, yeah, pretty much was. <laughs> so you talked to that guy and everything, and did you decide that day, like, I'm joining the Air Force? Or... I don't really remember. It was a process, yeah. I, I, I contemplated a lot. It took a while. And and I was, I was worried. I was, like, you know, worried with the relationship at the time. It was pretty serious. We ended up getting engaged, too. So it was like, you know, what's going to happen with that? But, yeah, I kind of just, like, I need I got to do it. And it's just at some point i don't know exactly when it's yeah like, it's just like i'm doing it you know okay yeah like, and what's uh what's that whole intro like process like oh like you know it's paperwork um there's a couple of ways you know i went open for the job so that actually took a little less time before like you sign up for it and then you have to wait for your slot pretty much for training oh, okay. for boot camp and stuff so if you sign at the dotted line for a specific job which you can do they try not to get try not to do that because it's easier for them to fill the critical staff things if you just like oh, i'll just go whatever open yeah so you can sign on like for a specific job and then just wait mm-hmm. long enough for that but i it took like six months after i signed oh okay so i was just kind of waiting and trying to run a little bit because i never <laughs> yeah. run much and whatnot but uh yeah it's, uh, and then you just you go through like little in doc stuff, physical, whatnot, all paperwork, and and then um, you just wait for your time and you get shipped out. I guess. You know? Okay, <laughs> that's pretty much it. And where did you end up going to for basic? Oh, uh, you know, is that uh, uh, was it uh, Shepherd Air Force Base, hmm. or uh, down there? Do they do all the Air Force boot camp stuff? So uh, is this Shepherd? No, Shepherd is my tech school. Now I'm thinking of. Um, I'm not going to say the name of it. It's huge. It's down by San Antonio. Oh, okay. That base down there. Um, Lackland, that's it. Lackland oh. has the boot camp. To Shepherd was where I did the maintenance school. Yeah. Okay. And that's where, like, everyone that goes yeah, to the Air Force? Yeah, all enlisted. I think, I don't know if they do OC, like, officers there. I don't think they do officers there. I'm not sure. 
Hmm. It's all enlisted, so it's pretty. It's a huge base. So there's a big section of it that's like you know they have highways on base. So it's so they have a big section where it's only the squadron dorms for uh, okay. camp and all that stuff. So and yeah, I kind of that was right. I was the very we were probably the very first uh, in doc people to get like the extended boot camp too. If oh. I had gone in like a week earlier, it would have been like was it two weeks less? Oh jeez, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been six weeks instead of eight. But and they kind of didn't know what to do with us for the extra time. Oh really? Because <laughs> they were still figuring stuff out with hmm. what they wanted to add and how they were doing it. So, huh. but so that was lovely. Yeah, and that was November. Um, so I was there for Chris or Thanksgiving and, uh, Christmas. So after, um, after you were done with like all of that and everything, what's, uh, like what's the next step after transfer out of that? Yeah. You just, you graduate boot camp, you all get shipped out to your respective training places. So mm-hmm. whatever job you're at, you, yeah. For us inside Shepard's not that, f- you just took a bus because, um, Shepard is like, uh, Texoma kind of things hmm. on the border okay. uh, northwest of there. So you just take a bus and they bust you over to tech school. And then you, you're, you're it's kind of like high school, like a boarding school pretty much, I guess, where you have your little dorms. Mm-hmm. I guess they're kind of big. They're dorms and then they're run by all these rules. You have to go, you, know, you have to march everywhere. Oh, uh, okay. So you, you know, it's all. And you have to make sure you're not unbuttoned your shirt or something walking around or something yeah. like that. So it was pretty strict. And how long did you sign for? Four, four years. Four they, years. They, want, they, they get everybody to do six so that you're like, oh, you'll get um, Airman First Class like this much oh, earlier. Oh, yeah. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'll just do four. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need to worry about that. Is that the minimum you... Four is the min, yeah. Oh, okay. And um, so, because I was, like I said, I wasn't sure. And I was like, eh, I'm not doing more than I have to or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. But um yeah, yeah. And then um what was it? Uh yeah, tech school is it was kind of stressful and that that's when I broke up with that girlfriend, my fiance. Uh, it was during that after about 2 months of that cuz I was there for 6 months about. I had to wait for a little bit to start training and then it takes a while for that to get done, but so I was I was marching to and from class with like, you know, hundreds of people, mm-hmm. huge, just lined up, you know, little yeah. f- like flights of like 30, I think. Something oh, like okay. That. In each little subgroup. And then you have them all marching. It was kind of like a, we have those military parades. It's basically like that every morning and afternoon. <laughs> so, so were you thinking at all, like when you, when you did go in, like at all, like, I kind of want to try and become a pilot or where where did they just tell you early on like you can't do it or I just didn't you know, I didn't do it you know and um I hadn't thought of it yet I wasn't I wasn't at that point where I thought I could do flying I guess they don't really for it you can't do it when you're enlisted so oh okay you have to be an officer so that requires a four-year degree oh okay so that I guess that would that's kind of why yeah um, yeah if I had I would have had to like sign up for like ROTC, okay, co- go yeah. through college and then go through the officer side. Uh, okay. is like completely different. Like, yeah. About the same process, but different. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what uh, my friend Ethan did, but he, he became mm. an engineer, but he went to U of P and like, yeah. 
he went through through all that. Mm-hmm. And I think he said he went through basic as an officer. So oh, okay, yeah. There's different like if you do ROTC, then you don't do the OCS. Like if you do enough of the ROTC for the full time or whatever, that kind of mm-hmm. counts as your thing. Yeah. Yeah, or you just don't do like the buddy that he just got us. Uh, I served with him. We went to college together. He's now in F-15s. He went back in. Oh, but okay. even though he was prior enlisted, he did four years at the same time as me. Um, he got the four-year degree, but he didn't do ROTC, so he oh. had to go back through. Yeah. Uh, even the officer boot anyway, so he did that. Oh, okay. So he pretty much just reset. But there, so there are things though that do disqualify you, right? From yeah, Air force becoming like, isn't it like like vision and hearing and stuff like certain. I mean, there there is to weed out their candidates, but um, like um, you can basically I would say there's a waiver for everything. Oh okay. Um, no matter pretty much no matter what it is, All right. if you're persistent enough, there's a will, there's a way. If you find of... the right people, there's a way to do it. Like actually, I think I just saw an article about how they're making a lot of waiver, a lot more uh, waivers for things because they're trying to. There's a big surge now with the oh, new, okay. new budget to increase. After they were kicking everybody out when I was in, now they're increasing oh. it again. <laughs> so it's like oh, okay. There's waivers, so you know if you have something, you can. Um, don't let them tell you otherwise because but uh you just you go through the process it'd be like like i'm a pilot now if i had something happen okay i'm off of flying i can't fly for a while but so during that time i just get i don't know if i broke like i had um a friend broke her arm pretty bad um snowboarding oh okay and so because of that you know she couldn't fly for a while she can't use her arm she's not medically okay yeah but so after surgeries all of that i mean you have to prove that you can still operate the plane correctly like you don't after you break your arm and stuff yeah anything you could say that for about anything you know Uh, so you come back and they gotta like kind of check you yeah it's basically you gotta get certified by a doctor or uh, a flight doctor not just a regular doctor so you do your normal doctor flight doctor and the faa looks into it signs it off and you're good so it's kind of the same it's exactly the same thing with air force stuff Oh, okay. So you just got to get your doctor, right doctors who know the um, requirements. Like, don't just go to any doctor because they're not going to, like, know, like, what your yeah. force requires, the military requires for for whatnot. You just get the right guy, sign the right papers. Hmm. You get the you get the waiver, then they can't, they can, they can't treat you anything different. Oh, really? Yeah. I had never heard of that. Yep, nobody does, yeah. That's the, kind of the <laughs> I point. guess they, yeah, they don't just They're, toss that info. Yeah, they don't have anybody. Actually, the Air Force is the hardest branch to get into. Um, oh, okay. But, because uh, they just are a little more strict about, I don't know, maybe grades. Maybe less so that uh, physical stuff. They're still pretty, they actually kind of increase that a little bit, but. So, yeah. I guess if somebody was wanted, wanted to become a pilot, through the air force the whole the route for that is to pretty much like do well in high school apply first you know yeah university and as far as that you know the process is basically yeah do you could get any degree it doesn't have to be a i don't know for an off to be an officer degree in psychology it helps to be like an engineer maybe if you're trying or like something kind of related mechanical or I don't know, physics or I don't know, something something, like something related to what you wanted to do in the Air Force just so you can get that, this is the job you're going to give me yeah, kind of thing. Because I think you have to get, to be a pilot, so if you have to be sponsored, uh, to be an officer, you'd be sponsored and you, you like, 
you have to have talks and eventually you have to like pass whatever i, I think they take the officer's test and various things but you could get a four-year degree in philosophy and that yeah, still it's possible huh they don't care uh, um, it, to be an officer you could be i don't know a maintenance officer you'd be on the flight line when you're, you're mostly a pencil pusher but okay at least on the out on the flight line every now and then and you're like you're uh management i guess your yeah, middle management for sure of, or your upper management i guess as an officer if you're gonna do that but there's, okay there's so many different avenues for that that uh, a lot of you know if you have an air force base if you have a base in general it's a city yeah there's jobs for every aspect of the city you know so, yeah that's true yeah there's a lot of, you, know, you can uh, you just go through the right process people are so afraid of that's one thing i want you know want I guess if people are listening to the talked about is that it's easier than it is a process and it's not, I wouldn't say completely easy. Yeah. You just got to be persistent and don't let people tell you you can't do it unless it's like, no, like dotted line in stone somewhere that yeah. because of this, I can't do it. And there are certain things like even I think you can be partially colorblind, but like depth perception and colorblindness in some of the in, if, if you just have glasses yeah. if you're just correctable to 2020 you'd be fine really yeah and even the air force they'll pay for lasik surgery too oh okay because yeah. it seems like it's it's kind of sad because it seems like i hear a lot of people like, oh my eyesight isn't perfect so i can't even consider it or, no you know, no like... it's completely not true it used to be like that no get me uh, wrong okay. it used to be still like i think world war Two. you know you gotta think of how young aviation is yeah for, for one so World War Two and the Apollo era, that and that stuff was like, you know, you had to be perfect. Yeah. You couldn't like fart the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And you had to have like how many people telling you how perfect you are at like football and every you know, every aspect yeah. of everything. It's not like that anymore. We've learned a lot more. We understand it every aspect so much more now. So it is a lot easier. Um basically if like if you don't want to pay for it and you want you're okay with doing the military, you talk to the, talk to people that are not your recruiter. Yeah. Um, talk to people that are in it or have done that job. You can reach out. There's forums. There's guys that'll you know they'll talk to you, give you the honest plea. They'll do it on a private. They'll probably talk to you on a private chat or something. You know. Yeah. If you really want to know what day to day, because that's where it comes down to. People will get all excited in the military and then. Oh, day to day. It's just like, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, just. I, I do. I think it is funny when like any of those, uh, the commercials for any kind of branch, they mm -hmm. always make it look like it's just the craziest shit. Like, oh, yeah, you know, know? <laughs> they're trying to attract the people yeah. that will put up with the hurry up and wait, um, bureaucraticness of it. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the you know somebody telling you what controlling every aspect of your life because they're so excited and amped on they want to sign up with that mentality and the, yeah you know, that's a, that isn't really important to have you can, you know <laughs> you don't want those guys there are some of those guys that just i guess kind of like me but i you know i always took it seriously and i did enjoy it but the guys that just sign up because they're like eh, i'll just do it you know and yeah kind of like C's get degrees kind of guy just like coasting. they don't want those people they're trying to get the best you know yeah no that's true that makes yeah, sense yeah people so, are actually like driven like oh yeah i want to yeah. do that you know and if you have that drive they're gonna want that even if you had i don't know asthma or whatever like you had childhood asthma you can be a pilot stuff like that hmm. um you know but you just have to have the, you just have to prove it 
Yeah. And a lot of guys, I know a lot of guys lie to get get enlisted. It's just like the old days. Yeah. And it's a lot more dangerous now to do that, but they 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 can't look at your medical records. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Oh. But if you if you lie, then you're lying, and you get a security clearance, then you have lied to a government official. Oh yeah. So kind of things. So like it's an integrity check. Go basically. south real quick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, people get caught in that, but there's a lot that don't. I don't know. Yeah. They, they end up fine. As long, if you don't, if you had something and it doesn't affect your job and you'd be totally fine, then I don't know. Yeah. But it is important not to get too under the water. <laughs> yeah. And we're not saying to go out there and like lie, right? No, no, I'm not saying <laughs> that. Um, just being like, I guess. Just being real. Just being real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess the, the biggest thing that, to learn from it is um it's because people they go through their recruiter they're gonna get that commercial attitude yeah you know that like indomitable intense i don't know government controlled your ranking officer attitude but on the day-to-day side of it, you understand that people are people. And yeah. There's a lot of things that they're cool with. So if you're like, you have integrity, you're really amped on doing something and you want to do the, you know, serve your country or there's a lot of other things you get out of it too besides that, then go for it. But yeah. you should definitely, I guess, understand what you're getting into. Yeah. So there was parts of it I didn't really understand either, but, you know. Just like, kind of learned as you went. Yeah, you know, you're open for it. You're not like guys get in and they're like oh crap yeah and now it's a jail sentence it's not a if you're not serving you're under a jail sentence i've had a few friends that have come home from basic and i'm like i don't know what i just did to myself you that's know, that time, that's that time period uh, everybody's pretty much gonna say that yeah but that's not the that's still you haven't reached the day-to-day yeah job part of it yet you know you're still in the, the once you're you're the you're on parole i guess so they they're trying to shape you into it. Yeah. So that's not going to be completely a day to day either. So, yeah. Yeah. It scares everybody. You know, it's a mental thing. Yeah. I mean, I have another friend who's you know he's on he's on his last year for the army for like five years and he's still like, I regret that decision so much. You know, like. But um, do you feel like uh, after being in the Air Force though, if you were to go back, would you pick the Air Force again? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Okay. I've, yeah. I'd, pretty much everybody I would um, have known in other branches probably usually say unless they're you know the grunt guys. If they're not a grunt, then they they're not in the hoorah, you know. Yeah. Um, infantry side. Um, then they're like, yeah, I wish I'd done the Air Force because you could do like a lot of the similar jobs. But be in a better setting, be, I don't know, treated a little bit better. Because we have bases. Um, they're not like, there are the aspects of the Air Force that does a lot of the same stuff, Army, all, the, all that kind of hardcore stuff. But they, like I said, it's a city that runs this. Yeah. You want to just, I think overall, Air Force probably treats a little, you're, you're a little bit better. Yeah. A little better life. A day-to-day lifestyle is a little better, I guess, would be the best way to yeah. put it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is because two of my best friends, one is in the Air Force and then one is in the Army. Mm. And uh, 
it's just, it is funny like the different ways when they talk about the two and how they're managed you know like one talks about like going from one base to another like oh yeah you know we're gonna fly out and go to get that base or whatever whereas my friend in the army is like yeah we're gonna take a bus from here all yeah. the way over there <laughs> like, yeah see like when i did a tdy like a just a little temporary duty assignment thing so like as a maintenance guys we had to go meet a jet so that we can send it back overseas we have to prep it and send it back overseas for maintenance or something like that you know yeah so we went to like england but yeah, we had ho- individual hotel rooms you know we, Jeez, we yeah. had our own, our own hotel room in london that's nice um for a night or something and then we got our own hotel rooms at the little city that we're at for a bit so that's pretty cool Man, if it was army you would probably want to you'd probably be with double bunking and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that so yeah. And we got paid, you know, per diem, oh, okay. which you would, you'd still get, you still put, we get stuff as an army. I mean, there's definitely parts, but I think most guys do, like, they'll deploy for their training in the U.S. to, like, a location. To, it's, like, out in the desert, and they'll be hiking around for a long ass time. But for yeah. us, it was just like, hey, just do your job, fix this plane or something. For yeah. Them. For them, they have to prep for, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, their job if it depends on your job really I don't know yeah everything so much of your lifestyle in the military it depends on what you do mm-hmm. on a daily basis if you're uh, infantry grunt or something that's that's what you're prepping for and yeah. prepping for that is not nearly as not as fun as me just like studying uh, diagrams or something it's just you know yeah. it's different and the army and marines they all have maintainers too very similar yeah but when you're deployed in a ship as a maintainer or, or the army, you're on a forward operating base for helicopters. Yeah. You're still in a different situation than you would be if, I don't know, um, some of those, when we do cargo operations, you're not going to have a huge cargo Air Force operation in, you know, in some Taliban city. Yeah. You're just going to fly in from somewhere else <laughs> Yeah, to go to there. So if that makes sense, I guess. But. Yeah, yeah, no, I've had a lot of friends that yeah. said if they could go back and do it again, they'd yeah. take Air Force, so. Yeah, it's different, yeah. I think you, maybe it's just probability, I guess you have more probability of being treated better. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what was your, I mean, did you have any real big, like, takeaways after you're done with the Air Force? Like, what were, I mean, some of, the, like, the best parts of it, would you say? Um, I mean, like I said, when I went in, I got that structure, I got... When I was in, I was able to get a community college of the Air Force associate's degree, which is kind of like a a gimme, but mm. I did have to take college classes. It was all free. Yeah. Got that all paid for. Um, it's real college credit. You know, yeah. It counts. So, I don't know. I got what I wanted out of it for me. You know, I got that structure. I kind of got a little bit of confidence. I think there were, I still had a lot to learn on that yeah. side um, and professionalism and kind of just like, oh, this is, it kind of eventually got me on the path that I wanted to be, I guess. Okay. Um, so my experience is pretty positive. You know, I know a lot of guys that got into, they complained a lot every day, and then they just, I think they still just didn't know what they wanted to do. Yeah. And they, they didn't really like the knuckle-grinding job, but they haven't really done anything else. Yeah. And they didn't, it didn't, like, open up to, like, what they wanted to do. So I, I'm not going to say you're going to go in and 
figure it out. But yeah. It does happen with a lot of people that kind of sets them down a certain path and kind of you have that experience. You you learn a lot depending on your career field, if it's transfer or not, you know, because yeah. if you don't want to do, I don't know, <laughs> you don't want to be a pararescueman. Yeah. Or, you know, it's hard to transfer some of those military jobs outside in civilian life. Um, yeah. Aircraft means it's pretty easy. You just go out. I could, I still haven't gotten it, but I could just take a test right now and get civilian qualified. Uh, work okay. on aircraft too, and that'd be another you know, job career right there. That'd be pretty cool. But, and that's if I wanted to, wanted to do that. So I, I got what I wanted, you know. I, yeah. I got college. I got training paid for. I, you know, I, I met a lot of cool people, learned a lot. A lot of it was kind of hard. I was on a really easy airframe, so that and base was, it was just better for me. Yeah. If I had been on like fighter bases and stuff as a maintenance guy, that can be a lot harder. I, I definitely acknowledged I had it much easier. So, mm-hmm. just like per base, like you, I could have been in Minot, North Dakota, the whole dang time or something. Jeez, you yeah. No control over that and working out in negative thirty, you know. Yeah. And I probably would have a different idea of of how much I liked it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so experiences may vary. Yeah. But no, that makes um, sense. I did I did four year and I signed up for four because I knew that but I wasn't sure, you know. Yeah. yeah. But when it came to the end of that four years, were you mm-hmm. thinking at all, like, oh, I might resign or I, might... I was, you know, I was three years in. Um I had done at that time I did one appointment, a couple T Y things. I did honor guard for the base for eight months. Hmm. so doing military funerals all that kind of stuff so at that time you know i was like okay here's the time now for me to like research and figure out okay what do i want to do next do i want to stay in i knew one i if i was going to stay in i wanted to be an officer <laughs> i wasn't yeah. staying enlisted um i knew i didn't really like the daily grind the hard aspects of just doing maintenance stuff um it was satisfying to a degree but i don't know i saw my grandpa my dad doing that that route and i was like eh, i want to yeah. do that for another 15 or what 16 years for until retirement yeah so i was just looking at my options you know and i was on the flight line and actually i think the on-base college guy who i was working with um talked about being a pilot he wanted me to there's a program where you go enlisted from enlisted you go you kind of get out you go to school, they'll pay for your school, and then you come back in as a pilot or something. Oh, okay. So there's there are ways to do that, too. If you yeah. want to just, like, go now, get enlisted, you don't want to worry about loans, you do that, you get signed up, you can do transfer things. And they actually really like prior enlisted officers. Like, oh, okay. That's, that's a big deal. Kind of a perk. Yeah, so if yeah. you think you might have a harder chance of getting a pilot slot, um, if you're due to aircraft maintenance, um, related, right? Yeah. You can get a CCF, your associate's degree in aircraft maintenance, then sign up for the transfer slot if you pass whatever they pass, you know, get a medical wherever they got to, and then yeah, you can go that route. So I, I was close to doing that, but, you know, I didn't really think. I was like, eh, I really want to do that. I kind of researched. I wanted more balance <laughs> in my life. Yeah. More control, I guess. More control in my life, and I was like kind of burnt out, but... So I just looked around GI Bill, the new one, the post 9-11 GI Bill. Um, it's pretty awesome. It was like 36 months of fully paid um, plus housing allowance for oh, the school. Okay. So I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. 
Yeah, that'd be and, nice. Yeah, I found out basically that they would when that's when your flight training's included in a like wrapped into a uh, college degree, mm-hmm. then they'll pay for it all. Wow. Basically, so all of it. Um, so, but it has to be with a degree hmm. um, program, okay. and it can't be like a repeat. <laughs> like yeah. I went for commercial aviation, I couldn't have prior commercial aviation and go <laughs> get a yeah. second one just because I wanted the training. Okay, you know, so I think they they've changed it a little bit. Like now they won't because people there's some schools that abuse that. Hmm. So they um, they had a helicopter school that uh, um, basically did use turbine. I think Bell helicopters from like zero to hero. <laughs> so, oh. so it was like 500 grand a student. Jeez. That's yeah, expensive. It was That's like crazy. dollars an hour or something or more, you know? Yeah. So Congress found out they flipped out. Now they've balanced it a little bit. So they're like, Hey, we won't pay for private because then just anybody could sign up for college and pri- just to get their private licensing. And then yeah. Quit, right. So they're like trying to balance and now they'll only pay, the minimum required training hours per mm-hmm. their curriculum. So now schools are just like, oh, we'll just up our minimum. Oh, dang. Minimum required hours. So now that they'll still get paid for. So yeah, still make that money. <laughs> schools are still working, you know, and they, they, they like having, it's, it's an assured pay yeah. payment for the school, right? And it's also like better candidate as a, as a student to have too. Hmm. They're more successful generally. Yeah. You know, so. I was like, heck yes, get it all paid. I was like, I don't have to worry about money and go to college, basically. I still had to have a job, but a part-time to get through. But I was like, I don't have to get a hundred grand in debt like some of these places. Yeah. For for all that. And I, I wanted the school. I wanted I didn't I could have done like an associate school and there are programs, although the GI Bill will cover that also. Mm-hmm. Because it's still a technically a college program. But it's only the training, and it's only like an associates. And I was like, I can do better than that. I already have an associates, you know. Yeah. At that point, I was like, I'll just you know do the four year, and I transferred it in. It ended up being about two and a half years anyway. So. Oh okay. Yeah. No, and they had, oh, and the other thing they did is they they won't pay for a private school. So if you have a private school <laughs> that yeah. you're looking for, um, the GI Bill won't cover private tuition, private school tuition, and it's because it's just jacked up the price uh, like okay. ember riddle i think kala ember riddle and university of north dakota are the two big aviation other and purdue has, has one too but the two biggest well most well known in the world like harvard and stanford basically or uh, ember riddle which is in the biggest campus in florida hmm. uh, they have a couple other campuses too but the biggest one there and then university of north dakota which is of all places in north dakota yeah but the public north dakota um credit hour cost is like a third or half oh okay of the cost of tuition for the Ember riddle but so that's a good place to go if yeah. somebody's kind of i had no idea i actually i was i was like oh i'll do Ember riddle but then right when i was that last year probably know, a few months later they were like no you get can't do private schools anymore oh so a lot of the Ember riddles pretty probably pretty upset because they probably they had a huge veteran presence too they lost mm. a lot of other people i think um, that kind of sucks. And a lot them. of veterans are like, "Well, I'm partway through this program now. I have to get loans on my own, because huh. Congress." Yeah. Um, but do what you got to do. But... So a lot of people that are kind of going the route that you went end yeah. up at North Dakota. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. You know, the I think each school has their military presence because they're figuring out the GI Bill. I think yeah. Purdue, 
There's one in Utah. There, there's actually a, quite a few I didn't, I wasn't aware of. Yeah. I, I didn't even know. My friend who I, we were, had same enlistment dates is the one that found UND. I had no idea. I was like, well, I'm from Iowa. Do UND. I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah. It sounds like an awesome school. I researched in. It was an awesome school. It was just <laughs> North yeah. Dakota. But because um, I kind of researched like what looks the best and it was like UND, Ember, it was like Purdue, I guess is pretty good too, but. Throughout the world, I think UND and the Stanford, Harvard of aviation. Yeah, so for sure. That's what I wanted to do. So I, I've seen, um, I saw, I was following, I was just reading on like Yahoo Finance. I was just kind of like looking at some new stuff on there and everything. And I saw that like Delta Airlines, they built some kind of school on, mm-hmm. I can't remember what campus it was. Yeah, I but saw that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would, American is doing a similar thing. I don't think they're building their own, but they're working with other schools. Most are those airlines. are those programs to basically get people like? Do you like? Is that kind of a program to go from that school to working right for those? Like, can you basically go through that school and then end up working for Delta Airlines or? Yeah, it's kind of that way. So they they're right now. I guess I get on the topic of I base if you're have any inclination if you want to be a pilot right now is like five years ago would have been the like when i started is like the best time but even now it's fucking pretty good <laughs> yeah it's it's really good so it, it's the biggest pilot sh- shortage in history they've never oh. had such a huge thing really that's kind of um, that's kind of surprising I, I don't know. yeah i mean it's cyclical the industry is very cyclical you do some research you kind of understand where the economy is is how good the airlines is because um, people traveling more means more business right so yeah the um, airline industry has gone up this has happened um a, a number of times before just not to this extent because a few things have kind of come together right now to mm. just suddenly be like oh we're losing all these people we don't have enough people coming in basically because yeah. um, you know you had uh, the baby boomers just like on the doctor side or any a lot baby boomers are, were way more than us so they're all retiring or dying out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that, um, when they came in, it was just flooded, you know. For a long time, I think, up and down, so people would be hiring, and they wouldn't hire any for like six years. Like oh, okay. anybody. Like Delta went to like six years without hiring a person. Jeez. And then up and down the economy of the 90s had a good hit, and then the eight, or 80s was hard, really hard. People were getting like thousands, thousands of hours doing whatever crop dusting just to be even eligible yeah or like competitive mostly competitive to get in you get an airline job you're like oh that was really hard yeah (laughs) it's completely different now you know and then you had guys that started right before 9-11 9-11 had obviously a huge effect on the industry just thousand pilots got furloughed and laid off and um and so now since then till 2008 they were slowly um they just didn't hire anybody um, hmm. like how many I think Delta after 9 was like six years because they already got rid of them you know? and the people that they hire for a while or you know now they're just going to be the people that they had already laid off I um, wonder when 9-11 did occur how many pilots were like shit you know just pretty like... much everybody everybody I talked to the guys I fly with is basically like yeah and I had just gotten captain and oh, that didn't man. last you know like because of that I had to go back to be a first officer for 10 years because Fuck. They're like, well, we're getting rid of our captains. You either, you know, you have the seniority to stay, but not as a captain. And that's because yeah. there was just like such a decrease in the demand for the flying and such. Yeah, like, flying just they took a hit. 
and they run on they ran on such a small margin that yeah. of a business and the the costs are huge so you just multiply like you know if a, you have a bad day as a mom and pop store imagine multiply by the thousand you oh know? seriously um so they just have such some margins for stuff you know and when and they have to go with oil prices a big thing so and then 2008 kind of happened mm-hmm. they actually started getting a shortage and then they're like oh we're getting a lot of people retiring let's extend the retirement mandatory retirement days now oh, 65 okay. instead of 60 so they extended it by five years hmm. um to try and stay it a little bit and the financial crisis did not help, obviously. Oil, now we're kind of bouncing back with the oil prices. The last, when I was in college, a, lot, a few years before I was in college, so like 2000, probably like 2010-ish, I think. I don't know exactly, not too technical on it, but the price is starting to get better, and then their profits just start shooting up. Yeah. Um, they were going from like a 1.5% average for like their whole lot airline lifespans <laughs> yeah uh to like 15 percent hmm, wow. now they're like i think alaska is putting up uh, like 18 percent or something profit wow. margins so their their profit margins has been astronomical the last yeah. how many years and that's why they're doing so well but now the shortage is kind of starting to hit and whatnot so it's coming yeah it's, it's already starting, it's already hit you know um Basically, so there's the price are they're doing really good right now, but now people are retiring at such a fast rate. I think the next decade there's about for each airline for the major four like Delta, United, American, um, Southwest. I think the numbers are gonna be anywhere between four hundred to eight hundred pilots are mandatory retiring every wow. every year for the next 10 years that's crazy um and i don't yeah i'm not gonna have the numbers but you know the amount of qualified pilots in the u.s um joining the industry is just not near anywhere close to what we can get you know you can't you have to be able to be eligible to be a pilot in the u.s which is a u.s citizen basically or have the right to work oh really here. it's it you know we have to go through a vetting process like hmm. pretty strict to get through it that makes sense though so we can't just get all the Chinese students that I yeah. I train and have them work here. No, it doesn't work that way. We have okay. to have our own. Um, yeah. Unless maybe they'll have somebody that'll be like, well, we need yeah. people. So. so if there's uh, people out, so people listening, like if, if somebody is like possibly like, I might maybe, maybe trying to become a yeah. pilot, like it's a good time to oh, pursue yeah. it. Oh, for sure. Um, so the concerns, the biggest concerns with people after 9-11 and then the pay was so bad because now you had it's a it's a buyer's market now where before it was a seller's market so basically they're just like hey and a regional airline which is you go you start at a regional and then well you do do flight instructing now and then go to a regional airline then a major airline so the regional life is like regional minor league baseball i guess you could think about it basically you got to get there to get experience first okay um so a regional airline pay right out of college with a hundred grand debt was like eighteen grand wow. a year. Jeez. So it's, you just literally cannot do that now. Yeah. It's rent prices and stuff. However, then that increased. Um, it's just been skyrocketing now. Yeah. Because now as a buyer, you know, 
for me <laughs> as buyers as a buyer's market so now they're like okay how do we we're, they're all competing to pay more than yeah. each other now they're like offering 20 grand of bonuses to sign up wow they're offering uh like delta's doing those schools so they're trying to grab them before the other people get they're trying and they're also the other part of it is they're trying to control quality yeah so if you control a guy from day one and you know that program that he went through you yeah. know like what he who he's working for how he was trained standards is all with too. your and aligns with your your airline or your your standards that's yeah. going to be a much quality controlled product versus um it's just a probability factor i guess yeah just because you came from mom and pops i learned how to fly doesn't mean you're a bad pilot but they can assure they're more assured a, a better product and it's an investment yeah no that yeah look out of investment because of the the training costs are so huge yeah i wasn't sure if yeah. it was like consider like i wasn't sure if to get into those programs at that school like you're technically becoming like an employee for them and you're just part of like a long training I period think, um i think it's pretty much because they're aware they're not gonna they're aware of guys being like well in china if you you get selected to yeah. be a pilot in college you sign this like 99 year contract Jeez. you failed the training then you're working for the airline as a baggage handler for the rest of your life or Jeez. something on that scope um some of them not all of them um will do that but that's and they're aware that that's not how the u.s works yeah. for one <laughs> yeah um but two is just uh they're aware so they're, they're not gonna i think most of them are not gonna force you to be indentured servitude kind of thing so you're mm -hmm. not um, if they offer you money, that might be another thing. Mm -hmm. Um, as soon as you get money from them, you're probably obligated to, I don't know, work for the regional that that program works with. Oh, okay. Um, and then what the program does is what it, they can mentor you, like they're assuring that product. And then they also will give you, uh, there, there is kind of, they'll either offer you a guaranteed interview at some point which is great. That's really hard to get yeah. for a major, you know, Delta or something, or they're like, um, they I might actually just give you a slot where you just are waiting for your time. To roll to go. into your position. It, once it, you're I, it's changing. Cause it they're at first they're going to just be like, yeah, we'll give you just an interview. Like, cause there's yeah. no obligation on their part. That's not really an investment. Yeah. But some of our are competing so much that, um, various things are just like, yeah, we'll do, you know, we know you, did this at the regional we'll just look at your records and you just pop when your time comes you're you're, you're now don't even worry about it yeah you're good like, now you're hired that's so. pretty sweet um but it's an investment you know quality yeah. control aspect so every program is different um i know a couple are doing like you get through commercial you sign up for the you might do like a little interview thing nothing like super technical they just want to get to know you and what kind of person you are yeah and then you do that, and then they might pay for some of your training. Oh, okay. That you'd already done. Yeah. But they they might not do that from private pilot because they don't know yet. Most, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of failure rate through private pilot because they kind of. It's not because they couldn't do it. It's because they didn't. Work. It's like going in the military. You got to know what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, and maybe they just yeah. You know, most college, you you go like halfway through, and then you're like, I want to change. Degree programs are like, well, the airline doesn't want to invest much money in you until you yeah. know that you're going to do that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you just, you can look for it, programs. I mean, before that, it's just scholarship stuff you can look for, too. Especially women in aviation, um, <laughs> like 5% women. Mm -hmm. It's just horrible. Really? There's only 5%. Like... Wow. Yeah. 
So is there kind of like, would you say that um, when women apply for those things that they're definitely like kind of more considered? Like kind of, um, like, all right. Well, well they have uh, different different um, avenues. I guess they're more considered. So like this is kind of a thing with airline guys who are like that have been trying to get into a major airline position for a while. They're like, oh, you have to be a minority or a yeah. woman to get hired. I'm like, okay, so what percentage are you competing against like if you can't compete against five percent of your peers yeah there's probably a reason you're not getting hired <laughs> yeah other than <laughs> then you're you're not a woman so yeah. i really hate that mm-hmm. that is a big a lot of people say that and it, even young guys because mm-hmm. they you're you're a five percent so you kind of stand out more I okay mean, uh you think about it, you're a minority you stand out more you look differently yeah stand out more so they're kind of like oh yeah well so-and-so because they just got a they're a woman like no it's i mean maybe they're considered more because they're trying to they're just trying to like uh give those opportunities you know yeah they're trying to get more women to it because if we only have five percent that are, are women there's 45 percent out there of candidate of awesome amazing pilots that probably save thousands or you know save lives that we're missing yeah no <clears throat> i did um Let's see if I can get to pull up. Um, so, anyways, I saw that you shared this. Yeah. And I just thought it was, uh, was oh, kind of yeah, cool. Definitely. I, I just found that out. It was amazing. But, uh, so this is, uh, so this, which, did she go to a, a school or like the training program that, yeah, that so you it, were? Yeah, so it looks. Um, so, just for people listening, it's just an article about, uh, one of the the first female Japanese commercial pilot. Um, so is uh, did she come here and and train, or did she train in Japan, or? Uh, she came here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have no idea. Um. But she. Uh. What she? It's in the article, but so she basically uh. Uh, came over as a transfer program. Oh, okay. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, just a foreign exchange kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then started training here and did Because there's not a lot of, uh, the U.S. has the most training flight schools, you know, in the world. So. Yeah. We have a big aviation compared to other places. Uh, Europe is the second, you know. Um, but, yeah, she came over here and loved, she fell in love with the U.S. Mm-hmm. She wanted to stay and then, um, did her training. And, I had no idea she was so popular, but uh, I talked to somebody that knew her, and I was kind of astonished there. But she's apparently kind of like Amelia Earhart of Japan. Really? (laughs) Like that big. Oh, so she's like known. Yeah, like apparently her her mom like has like posters that have been made of her like in in their house and stuff. So it's a big deal. That's pretty cool. Well, interesting thing is, I when I went to UND college, they they had some Japanese. Um, recording people coming over to make a TV show about a, a female Japanese pilot. Oh. Um, it's like El Piloto or something, young pilot or something like that. You know, which was the story of her going to really? the U.S. to do training. I, it wasn't. Her. I don't think it was of her. Oh, okay. Say, but it, I'm sure it's inspired. You know, yeah. Because that, that's the path that normal uh, happens a lot. Basically, a lot. Because wow. most of our flight schools are now just full of uh, Chinese, Japanese, Korean whatever students yeah um because they had to to survive basically really um, that's and that's where the money is at because they don't have their own schools so they're like oh we'll just contract it out hmm. it's cheaper for them yeah 
so they come over here and we do have a pretty good aviation <laughs> uh, yeah. programs out here no it's it's interesting how expensive the whole just like every aspect of aviate like like i was thinking about the uh the cost of producing those airbuses that are made oh, yeah. and like that just seems like such a such a big gamble and the cost of manufacturing and it costs just, are big that's you the, know the, like I, I was talking about how much you get paid after training you're yeah. like how much how much a month am i gonna have to pay do justice student loans i have to pay rent and food and i'm making you know i'm an airline pilot but i'm making you know i'm working 20 days a month and making 20 grand not even or something like that yeah so yeah i mean it's a big barrier and the, and they know they're aware of that but it's 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 changing now when they get desperate they're starting with these programs scholarship programs they're working with schools they they're they're well aware that you know that the cost has been a huge detriment you know and 9-11 um kind of destroyed a lot of the uh morale i guess for a lot of pilots yeah that were in the industry because and they'd already had that oh i worked you know i got oh i worked so hard just to get that job only to lose it so there's they call it kind of the lost generation of guys who or guys and gals so it's just like they've bounced around different airlines got furloughed here had to go there you know they worked in china for a while they did this that and then so a lot of people just like, you know what, I can't do this. I have a family and we're like, I'll just do this other thing, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, and, uh, so how, what was the whole training process like once you got, so you did it all at UND? All at school. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even like take my own like discovery flight or anything. Before. Oh really? I kind of just was like. Yep, that clicked for me. I'm doing it. <laughs> I just went for it. Yeah. So I most people, if you go to any school or any uh, airport, will have like a little training department, and they'll give you like what's called like the discovery flight or something. Yeah. So they give you a big discount, and they'll take you up for like a half an hour, just hmm. a quick like here's what flying is kind of thing, you know, in yeah. a small plane, because a lot of people don't know uh, that feeling. Am I gonna be motion sick? Blah blah blah. Uh, all okay. those all those concerns, you know. You could just take a short flight and they'll they'll take you up. It's no problem. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'd already been aircraft maintenance stuff, so I, I was I was, I was pretty set. So I, I uh, Air Force moved all my stuff to Iowa. Me and my buddy both, uh, oh, had his stuff move out too. We moved it from Iowa to North Dakota and just started school. So it was just pretty much a private pilot was a semester course um in a college setting it's a little bit different okay um yeah, most places if you do it it is cheaper to do it just at like just like uh, i don't know there might be an airport with like three flight instructors you can get the same certificates okay it's the same licenses like if you get your car license at a f one racing place and yeah. compared to somewhere else it's the same certificate and you just mm-hmm. get the same standard of uh federal standards i guess yeah i don't know it did it depends so you can get the same certificates elsewhere um well you'll just work personally with one person like i can do that with anybody um you have access to an aircraft you got the money and time yeah you could set it up you know um so you can do that but the college level is a lot more structured mm-hmm. i would say um very regimental 
um, lesson plan. We have a lesson. Um, each lesson is very meticulously thought through. There's goals for each lesson. So I got there. It was kind of intimidating. Um, UND is kind of in Ember. They're not any, there's not, it's not a joke. They take it very seriously from day one to train you like they, the airlines or the aviation world wants you to be trained. Um, I guess kind of what I mean is like, like they kind of, they kind of go a little overboard. Some people would say overboard that, but they make you memorize uh, emergency checklists right off the bat, like all these memories and each check ride you do, you have to write them out by hand. Oh, okay. And the first thing you do, and if you don't do that, then you don't continue on the check. Wow. So it is very, it's pretty strict, you know? Yeah. And, and so you have the ground school class and then you sign up for, um, I guess it would be kind of like a lab, you know, you sign up a flight lab where you go out to the airport, meet with your instructor, and, and you do the flight uh, part of it. So there's two separate things, you know, the ground okay. and that. While I'm also taking, you know, college classes, like Jeez. English and stuff. Yeah. And it's a college or an aviation program that you then you'll take, I don't know, flight physiology, that kind of any aspect you could think of. Yeah. So it was hmm. be kind of intense, you know, and I, I, I think back, it was like at the time I was like, oh, I, it's, it was pretty tough. You had to memorize all these emergency checklists. And now actually in the airline where you don't memorize as probably, they try to shorten as much as possible as we've learned. But um, they just try to indoctrinate. It's kind of like boot camp a little bit or tech school where they just indoctrinate you. Okay, here's all the different parts of what flying actually is that yeah. you may not have thought of. Or a lot of people already kind of had an idea when they went in because they flew with their parents or something mm -hmm. um but i had no idea so it yeah. was kind of it was kind of a little bit of a oh there's like way more to it yeah before yeah. i didn't know what a, a pilot meant i didn't know anybody mm -hmm. was a pilot but i knew it was going to be law school and you study a lot but uh you kind of learn learn the ropes a little bit of what the process is yeah it is yeah. an interesting whole career field because you don't you know you run into a lot of like electricians plumber you know yeah it's not very often you run into a pilot you know someone that yeah does, it's a small world you yeah. know mm -hmm. i mean every once in a while maybe somebody that does that for like you know kind of a hobby or something yeah. but that's a commercial pilot it's just kind yeah of the small. commercial is even smaller you know um um yeah i don't have the numbers but yeah it, it's definitely a little bit not everybody gets through or maybe they go partway through a lot of people and because that that kind of shock factor of like oh this is college level und you know i'm used to like my mom and pop shop training me where it's kind of lax and yeah they, they, you teach the, basically the same things you know it's just a different um intensity so there's yeah. some guys that are just like ah, i don't want to do it. and drop drop out and then they go to like some airport to do it because they don't want to go through that that intense of a program but um i enjoyed it i don't know i thought it was great it's an awesome school everybody's so nice all my teachers were former they have all the experience they're all former um commercial pilots corporate oh, okay. AB, uh, military a few you know colonels stuff wow uh maintenance guys you know that had done career maintenance stuff that kind of maybe some guys got furloughed came back to teach or they had kids they didn't want that lifestyle anymore so they wanted to teach you know some pretty well-versed people in yeah you had a lot of different aspects there and so you had a lot of experience behind your teachers yeah um and so they kind of they'll figure out and, the, and it's a, per, a professional level um industry teacher so it's really nice to have that 
aspect. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense though. It'd be kind of weird if like you're being taught by people. Like, I've never actually flown a plane, but you yeah, know, yeah, I've done the simulator. <laughs> no, yeah, and, you yeah, know? yeah. No, I mean, you. I mean, I you. It's kind of nice you're sharing that that professional level quality. Yeah, is what you want if you're gonna. If that's if you're searching for that professional level, this is the real industry. This is um, quality of a you know in that career then you i i would definitely recommend doing a college program you don't have to um you can probably do just as good as pilot going outside of that um probability wise um i mean the airlines much more enjoy it if you go through that regiment it's just an assurance um it doesn't mean you're great there's a lot of guys that go through it and they're still probably yeah it depends on how much you take it seriously but yeah at least they know they're aware of like oh he did this many lessons he did this check rise and like what they're all about kind of thing you know would you say that like the route that you would suggest someone take would Mm -hmm. maybe like differ between what they actually want to do like somebody that's like i just want to fly for fun versus somebody's i want to become a commercial airline pilot yeah if you want to be a a corporate or whatever professional career level pilot um then definitely i would definitely suggest a college program of some kind okay but it is possible to just go the like certificate you could go to some like... airport you find I, I could do somebody and give them all the ratings and go through the process you don't have to have that college degree okay and however so... the the big caveat there is most well they're kind of now they're getting desperate a couple drop their requirement but hmm. the um like Delta still requires a four-year degree. Oh, okay. It doesn't have to be aviation related. It could be biology, but yeah. they still require. It. <clears throat> okay. So there is some place that still that most places now don't, but like a lot of people I work with never doubt it. But you but know. so somebody could potentially just clock their hours, get a certificate, yeah. And apply. Yeah, and it's cheaper. It is cheaper. Oh, okay. You want to do that? Right? It's definitely cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on what you want to do. Yeah. I like to have that idea that. It's a you're just jumping through hoops and they they know it. That's why they don't care what degree it is necessarily. Oh, okay. Um, see that you just you yeah. Did that. They want you okay. When he was in that young influence phase, yeah, he did the uh, he signed up for something that was pretty intense or like you know not a lot not everybody does. Mm-hmm. He checked the boxes. He worked through it. You know he did extracurricular activities they really like. Yeah. That yeah, it's just that structure that they like to see. Um, and especially if it's a program that they're well known with, like less the like Delta and stuff will are inspect their programs and that, and they will actually work with the colleges to be like, Hey, we're seeing these problems. Um, could you like train it this way? Or like, mm-hmm. and the school will go to those airlines to, cause they're on that level. Yeah. They will go out and search for alumni that are in the industry that they can work and, and tweak their lesson plans, even down to the finest degree. So okay. that is the the level that you're, if you want to go down, it is more expensive, but you end up with a four-year degree. And, I mean, you, you're trying to beef your resume. That's a nice way to do it. It yeah. doesn't mean you don't have to. You, you got, you're good at networking. Yeah. You get a, probably a pretty sweet corporate flying job, you know. You don't have to have a degree. Yeah. So... So if somebody would just want like if it was on their bucket list to just get a pilot's license and just you yeah know, if go personally fly. yeah personally you just go to find an airport nearby there's probably a lot of flying clubs that um, their plane might be cheaper because there's like a few owners you can have like four 
different people that own a plane and oh. like one guy is just like hey i'm a flight instructor can i use it and stuff like that little schools will have have that cheaper program for you yeah and it's it, pretty cool yeah and it's just like it, it's uh you think of it that way you think of like a, a te- it's a technical skill yeah you know and you can get that from a lot of places yeah what would you say is like the average just a ballpark kind of just to give someone an idea of how much it might cost to get your just kind of private pilot um non-college level is probably i think they say six seven grand okay and it really honestly the cost really depends on either one how well you do how much time you have to dedicate to it you know how prepared you are so you can shorten it by showing up prepared for a lesson yeah. versus being like ah, i'm surprised and then you kind of waste a lesson yeah it's like 300 bucks you know going that's pretty cool so, though i mean like that's i mean it's a good chunk of change it but is like that i mean it's feasible like someone could still yeah like, you could do that you know yeah, like, yeah. And, and if you don't want to own your own plane you know because that's quite a bit um a Cessna you could buy for 30 30 grand 40 grand yeah. but now you got to look at hangar fees so definitely do a lot of research there if that was like something you're thinking about but what's even easier is you've got those flying clubs that you're not going to fly a plane, your own plane every single day. That's, you know, day to day, you're not going to do that, right? Uh, if you are, then own your own plane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're that, you're that well off, do yeah. that. Um, gas is expensive, but yeah, um, you can go in on a share with somebody or you could just sign up with this club and you have like a Google calendar you sign up for like times. Oh, really? And you just kind of reserve it's a, lot a cheaper, window of time? Yeah. And then you're, you're paying for whatever their hourly is because you're part of like the maintenance costs and stuff yeah and then the gas you know gas, gas is pretty expensive so yeah if you're gonna do it kind of be ready yeah i wouldn't want to do it and then i'll be like oh this is too much of a hobby for me yeah yeah so mm-hmm. would you say that there's a lot of people though that do go after it and they're just like you know this is a bit more than i really thought because i mean i'm it sure happens. there's people that get in and like i just wanted it to be like barrel rolls yeah they, yeah you know, like, i mean like you're pretty much doing what like if somebody's interested you just go to the school you do that discovery flight and you yeah can, they'll, they'll sit and talk you through it they'll be real with you like, yeah they'll be real. i mean they're not gonna lie to you um yeah <laughs> most places are probably not i mean and especially just at home airport they're gonna be like you know we're looking at this how much it's gonna be they're probably aware of those people that are coming like oh it's how much you know yeah. <laughs> they want to make sure they're aware of that because it's a customer service thing you know and they yeah. don't want people to just you know, they don't want to just take your money. Aviation communities has a lot of, I, I would say a lot of integrity and standards. So, um, they don't want to just take your money. Usually, yeah. uh, if you're part of some cool schools, you could say that they, they're a factory, you know, they're a business business, but so just be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Be aware. Once again, just be aware of what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And no, it sounds like if you just kind of do your, you know, do some research, like, you know, yeah, you can we got the internet, what... you know, Find some forums. Be careful of forums. Some people don't know what they're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. those flight simulator guys are like, yeah, it's all. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, but those those flight simulators are pretty like they're pretty legit. Yeah, they're pretty crazy. It helps. Like I I actually use a little yoke thing just for my cross the landings for a private pilot. You know, yeah, it's just a coordination thing. Like, did you did you hear about that guy that like stole that plane or whatever and like ended up just like crash like he just oh yeah you know i mm-hmm. think he said that he just learned on an app like how to yeah i mean so like if we go on the aspect of 
oh, I'm intimidating, not because of the money, but but because I think it's like really hard to do. Yeah. We get on that side of it, then like I could teach like a six year old how to fly straight and level in a plane and yeah. it turns. It's it's a it's really easy. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not that hard. Yeah. Um obviously landing is a lot harder. Even a yeah. takeoff I could probably get a little uh, a kid to do it. Yeah. Um but to understand what's all going on. Yeah. And then also be safe, prediction, you know, how to talk on the radio. Mm-hmm. Those things are a little harder. But I could, I, don't know, I taught for a year and a half, and I taught teaching uh, Chinese students. Um, they'd never driven a car before. A lot of them hadn't even ridden in cars, really. Yeah. So, they, uh, so if you think of where they're coming from, the, the idea of inertia and turning yeah. is a new concept to them. Yeah. Um, so honestly... Uh, and how hard it is really depends on how prepared you are. Mm. Actually, that the best students I had were the ones that were like aware of. Okay, I told them what the next lesson was going to be. They can think about it on their own, study the little pieces that I told them to study, and they show up like ready to go and prepared. They're going to be way better, and it's going to cost yeah. them a lot less. Yeah. So it's way more. It's so much easier than people think. It's but it does. We do have that standard. It is, and it. What we call an aviation, I guess, would be there's a quote about it, but um, aviation is inherently unsafe if you don't take it um, seriously, like it yeah. should be. Um, it's it's so, it's so safe. the The amount of control on the safety of of a flight in general, yeah, is huge because, like in a car, you can't treat it just like oh, I'm just gonna go out to my garage, get in the car, and go. Yeah. You gotta be, you know, you should be looking at weather. You should be looking at your plane. Is my plane ready to go? There's all these standards that we teach you um, to make it safe. And if you take it seriously um, and not in like that, you, it's yeah. so, it's actually super safe. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that dude that stole that plane, I think like his, like, I'm just gonna go for a barrel and oh uh, yeah, just that unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately he was just suicidal. Yeah. Um. But everybody's like, oh, how did he get access to a plane? How did he even get in the air? I mean, everybody works at airport, like taxi. I mean, some ground crews are certified to taxi aircraft. That yeah. means they're able to start the plane, get the parking brake off. Yeah. I mean, and the hydraulics turn the stuff on that's, for it to work and taxi it down. Like, you have to have, in a, the airport, there's a lot of people that have access to the other side of the fence, you know. You know, But, um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's... It doesn't really astonish me too much because really taking off and flying loops and stuff really isn't that hard. Yeah. He was probably stressing the crap out, <laughs> crap out of those, probably over-torquing those engines, all those kind of stuff that a pilot would know about. He doesn't, it didn't matter to yeah. him at that point, but you could still, it's a plane. Yeah. Or our planes are very, very engineered mm-hmm. and awesome now. Yeah. They can do a lot of stuff, but we operate them in a envelope so yeah yeah it's just kind of it's kind of crazy way to do it but yeah i think i heard he was bipolar and had a lot of issues so yeah yeah or, i don't know if he was bipolar but he had a lot of issues where he kind of would snap a little bit stuff and i think when on. he he probably i think got into that point in the air and was like oh this is the real realization of it and then he just kind of gave up so yeah or i think everybody's just happy that he didn't uh, kill, kill anybody else yeah. yeah he he chose a place to go down and he knew it wasn't didn't hit anybody so yeah, yeah it's kind of shows you what a, one of those airline 
one of those planes can do. Yeah, you know, it no, can do loops and stuff. It's you, pretty crazy. Like, you could do a roll and a loop probably in a 747. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a crazy story. It was a 707 uh, pilot when they first, or 717, one of those airliner, a guy who was, he was like showing um, buy, potential buyers mm-hmm. the plane, you know, oh, flying okay. it. What they can, what they can do. And he was like, yeah, this thing can do a, <laughs> he did a barrel roll in the thing. Jeez. Terrified the manufacturer and the people <laughs> that I wor- I he worked for, but he was like, yeah, it's a zero G maneuver. It's like yeah. no stress in the plane, technically. Wow. Like aerodynamically, it's fine. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, yeah, it did like a perfect roll. Hmm. Yeah. That's wild. It's, yeah. It, it's really accessible if you just, yeah time what does it say four forces of flight is like time money motivation and uh it's like lift is basically money yeah or that's thrust lift is like yeah. motivation i don't know but it's basically time and money and how, how much motivation you got yeah no that's true it's kind of like <laughs> that's it another one of those where there's a will there's a way kind of thing yeah you know? there's a lady that has her private pilot doesn't have any arms Jeez. Oh, she just has legs, but she proved, like I said, there's a waiver for everything. Yeah. She proved, you know, she proved she could, she can write with her feet, you know. Yeah. She proved that she could operate an aircraft with just her feet mm-hmm. safely. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. And she probably had some, um, I don't know, I can see the video. There is videos of her. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Where there was a will or the way. But, and aviation, we're, the community, especially now, we got all these guys older, it's an older hobby. You know, yeah. we don't have the younger generation doesn't have the money. Yeah, it's true. That I mean, um, they did and the access. It was, I think the guy I flew with, he said per hour it was like ten bucks an hour hmm. for his plane when he did his training. It's a hundred and twenty now. Jeez. And that's not even including a fifty dollar instructor. And how for, many hours hour. is it that somebody needs to log I in? I think it's thirty five. I did we. It depends on the program. Yeah. If you do a college program, it's less actually. Hmm. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So it's, it's the difference is there in rents. You know, it's a lot more these days. Yeah. But uh, in college, for that matter. And is there a certain window of time that somebody has to get those hours in? Like you, once you started, yeah. you got to do it within X amount. Of... No. Um, your private pilot technically, your licenses don't expire. Hmm. Um, ever it's your currency that uh, expires so yeah. like i i taught a guy or i had a lesson of a guy who was an f-18 carrier pilot and he came to our school because he wanted to instruct so he had uh he needed to do some civilian qualification to transfer his stuff in so we kind of like meld the his military time with civilian time he hadn't flown in like 10 years oh okay or something like that you know He's a carrier pilot. I mean, he can do it. Yeah. It's just we have to do that process because it's a, the regulations there. So I took him up and flying, you know, being aware as an instructor, you know, to be aware of your student as and what you want to do and just kind of see. It was just kind of like an intro flight, like, hey, what do you need to work on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was it was interesting because he had only really flown turbine, like <laughs> aircraft, not like a, a cylinder, you know, four-cylinder engine yeah. that we have on – on the Cessna. So Jeez. the differences there were pretty kind of interesting, but you know, he had obviously had the knack for it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting. He wanted to, he did not want to go pull the power to idle. Hmm. 
on landing and I had to like force override him to force him oh. to do it because the planes are just, I mean, he's flying a Cessna and an F-18 <laughs> completely different. Yeah. Like, so it was just those little differences. So it was, huh. was kind of interesting, but yeah, you just had to relearn, you know, and he was very, even though he was this F-18 retired colonel guy or whatever, he was very receptive to me and me telling him, even though I'm like just <laughs> to your pilot flight instructor, you know, and oh yeah, that is a lot different than yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's a fighter huh. jet. So and he's layering on carrier, you know. He had I looked at his logbook. He had his old logbook. He had all his carrier landings map, like on his. I just signed his logbook. It was pretty cool, but I don't know. Like aviation, we're so the community is so receptive, and we're really just trying to promote it and get people into it because it is an amazing thing to experience and it's an amazing thing to be able to do and it's one of those you you don't get into it most people don't get into it because they want the money you know yeah you because they'll weed those people out with the first five years of you know training slash oh i get flight instructor for a while yeah (laughs) stuff like that and then i'll get paid how much usually you weed those people out but you don't get into aviation because you don't want to enjoy it you know yeah Yeah, no, I remember um, I was talking to this guy that used to be, he was a sheriff deputy somewhere, but anyways, I I was still pretty, um, I think I was like 19 or something like Mm -hmm. that, and he was asking me like what I kind of wanted to do, and I was like, I don't, I'm not really sure, like, you know, I think I might want to do some kind of law enforcement, and I was thinking at the time, he was saying, if you really want to do like law enforcement, money is that go get your pilot's license, move up to Alaska, <laughs> and work for the state police. You'll make yeah, that's true. You can make and, money there. I mean, I never thought about that, but I guess there are places where yeah, you don't have like when you would do your research, you'll find what the licenses you need. It as soon as you get the commercial, then you can get paid to fly. Um, you don't have to do flight instructing. You can just yeah. do some cargo little thing up in Alaska. You can do bush flying in Africa or you know whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of avenues there to get those hours. You don't have to do flight instructing. It's just like flight instructing is is the most common and probably easiest way to go. Yeah. And you do learn a lot as it is another level. When you have to teach something, you have to know it a little bit hard, um, just a little better. But so, there are all kinds of like avenues of there's like so many, piloting. Yeah. Like really, oh, yeah. like you got those. I could list a few. Um, like you're saying, uh, you go Alaska has got a huge aviation. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. I knew somebody that did did that. That's what, uh, so funny. She, she went up there, and it was a she. So, mm. going up to Alaska, yeah. <laughs> she's she's not a wuss. But yeah. you look her at her in a picture, you'd probably think she was just another blonde uh, uh, cheerleader girl. But yeah, no, she's hardcore. <laughs> she she knew what she was doing. It was great. So anyway, she went up there and and flew a little single engine turbo prop operation doing uh cargo lifting and stuff and has some crazy stories yeah some pretty it's pretty amazing i can imagine but, that, that was, yeah, but there's a lot of opportunity you do the little cargo ops there's a it's it's i guess biggest thing if you're trying to look for options it's out there just go on the internet um yeah. it is harder to find because when you search for um pilot this or aviation that the big headlines are going to pop up. It's going to be a little bit harder to search. Yeah. So kind of, you'll go to the right people. If you biggest thing, could go to somebody like me or at an airport, do that discovery flight. They'll give you like your resources to find what path is right for me. You know? Yeah. And, and you can just do that. Um, so you can do flight instructing, which is easy. Um, cargo, you could do banner toting. 
um, tours, tours. Yeah, like, oh, I yeah. know some of you doing tours in like Hawaii, yeah. and uh, you do um, eventually you could do um, I think just commercial. You could do uh, contract tour, contracting flying. So like rich people out in their the Bahamas, yeah, and their, that and their private stuff. island stuff. That might that's a I got a network to find the right. Um, to get hired there it might be a little bit harder it's probably easier now you're getting harder yeah. everybody's hurting for pilots but i there's a youtube channel of a guy that just does um miami he flies like i think three different aircraft and mm-hmm. does like private tours slash contract he just flies them to a private island hmm. back and forth yeah <laughs> and it's amazing looking some of that's flying above that turquoise white sand beach stuff all the time and he stays over in whatever beach for the night and then flies them out the next days or stuff like that so yeah um my roommate did medevac flying you know for oh, a while. Wow. and that can be kind of intense it's just a different lifestyle hmm. um obviously i had another roommate she flew ariana grande around oh really for a little bit yeah she's working a corporate jet um that's crazy my professor at a school he had his his friend flew bob dylan around <laughs> wow that's <laughs> so wild. it's it, it's a different lifestyle like uh you have to be on call and stuff but yeah um obviously airlines is the easiest but cargo ops and airlines cargo is huge you can get paid real good doing cargo but yeah. now you're flying at night um pretty much exclusively at night but you could do cargo international Wow. I know I heard a story of a guy showing up in like a robe and slippers to work because they don't have any Jeez. passengers. The boxes in the back don't care. So yeah. he's like showed up with this coffee, robe and slippers. He's like, all right, let's go to Hong Jeez. Kong. <laughs> <laughs> um, others, there's contract flying, the military especially. You do drones. Drones is a huge burgeoning part of it now. Um, hmm. However, you're probably going to, if you do that, you're going to be doing reconnaissance military side. Yeah, uh, probably exclusively. Um, there's, um, if you're gonna be a pilot, pilot, I guess. Yeah. Not like a, um, at home. I'm gonna make commercials with my pilot. That is an avenue you could do, but it's not gonna be the same. Yeah. Um, you're not gonna be in the cockpit, and I guess the drone pilot is pretty interesting. I, the UND actually has a drone program now. Uh, hmm. well, UAS unmanned aerial surveillance program okay um where they have like a truck that launches drones out and stuff and they have specific classes that want to again work with the industry and how it's so new work with the industry and the contractors and stuff to develop those classes and they have those professionals come in to do that Hmm. that's one great way to get networking into that because you know a couple guys that did that and now they're working you know they do contracts afghanistan or wherever that's pretty cool and flying uh predators or I don't know what, there's so many different types now. <laughs> so there is such a wide range. Um, crop dusting, you don't want to like, you don't, I mean, you can make decent money doing that. Yeah. Um, it's monotonous. Um, it looks, it's pretty intense for a while. I think you get, but then you get kind of used to it and kind of monotonous, but you can do that as like a seasonal thing. Yeah. You know, um, you get hired on a little companies that do uh, power line stuff. You want to do helicopters. That's a big thing whole helicopters a yeah. whole other side to There's all kinds of i i was watching yeah. some oh it was um the grand tour or whatever anyways it was yeah. uh you know but anyways they were Top uh, gear. yeah yeah it was jeremy clarkson all of them but they were down in australia and i think that uh when they had like all these you know the crazy like lambos and all that mm. but there was uh 
this uh, thing that they had to do where they were like herding cattle and everything with their cars. Oh, the, heli- the helicopter but thing. Yeah, but yeah, there was like the helicopters that they said usually do it. The helicopters that just like yeah. herd the cattle mm-hmm. down Australia. Like uh, helicopters is the uh, the market there for pods is it is getting better, but it, it's not as easy as a, like an airline where to like yeah. incorporate. But yeah, I knew a lot of guys um, at the school out here do a helicopter a lot of x8 army guys actually oh, a, lot really? of, a lot of army guys get infatuated with the the helicopter side which are pretty fun they're yeah. awesome but um the the pathways are a bit different yeah. yeah um that's more of a completely kind of corporate networking kind of thing you gotta know a guy who knows a guy or whatever but yeah. you definitely get into that too the oil rig flying for helicopters is big um, power line <laughs> you've seen the if you see the videos of them hovering right above the power lines and they're like oh yeah yeah that's big actually that's so crazy yeah um tours the vegas tours i know a guy seasonally would go out there he would work here flight instructing in a helicopter and then seasonally in the summer you go out to vegas or uh go out to vegas and do those helicopters the grand canyon and whatnot or hawaii Which, or wherever yeah like all costs um considered between Somebody that's like, I want to get licensed and I want to own and fly my own right. plane versus helicopter. Which one would you say is like more like? Helicopter is definitely a lot more. Um, oh, it is a lot more. Yeah. Um, insurance wise, for oh. one, um, helicopters. It's just a more complicated machine. Yeah. The aerodynamics of a helicopter is very confusing. I I don't really know it exactly. But um, I feel like I've seen a lot more videos of stuff going wrong with helicopters and planes, mm. you know? Yeah, I don't know. The It's kind of interesting. In college, we talked about that, um, which, which one is inherently more safe or whatnot. And I actually, statistically, I don't... What did we conclude on that? It was hard to say, actually. Um, a helicopter, people don't know, can... Like, in a plane, my engine quits. I can glide. It's still a plane. Yeah. Airspeed. All you need is airspeed, and you're get like you can land a field, highway, all kinds of stuff. You got time. Time is a big factor in that. On a helicopter, you have less time, but it can still glide. Uh, when you do training in a helicopter, you do a auto. What they call auto rotation, basically. Hmm. Engine quits. They kind of just dive. They dive Jeez. down, and then to last a certain point, they'll tip the nose up, and it uh, because of the ground and aerodynamics, it actually kind of like it's like hitting a pillow. And then they kind of slide on the runway. Wow. You see them do that all the time because it's such a crucial thing. Because they don't have that time. You need that muscle memory. Yeah. And that reaction to be able to do it. Um, <laughs> it's pretty intense. But I it's bet. a normal maneuver they do constantly. Yeah. In training. And it's on purpose. You know? Have Have you had to do practice like uh, like landing a plane that's like, all right, now uh, kill your engine and then like land it? Yeah, like we don't that. actually turn the engine off. Oh, okay. Um, we don't do that. Yeah. Unless you're in a glider, you know. Yeah. actual glider but um no we do power off landings um hmm. is a very good way to teach energy management hmm. it's just pretty fun it's, it's challenging but as when you get to i think and and commercial level you have to land with a certain distance on the runway oh. so like you know the standards are set but it's pretty fun so you'll get like next like kind of like you'll look at your left hand side and you'll be like okay i'm gonna land there and then you'll be like okay and then we'll put the power to idle and be like okay do it and then you you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, but that's fun. I don't know. Uh, aviation can be really fun. Um, it's definitely challenging, but 
So, do you ever see in like movies or something when they're like, "Oh, we just lost engine one. We lost engine two. Like, you, I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, it, there's a lot. Is I it mean, overdone? Like, are you like, oh yeah, you'd be fine. Like, yeah, okay. Um, so another barrier to like getting into the industry or being intimidated is people are scared of it, right? Yeah, they hear. Um, the problem, one problem is when you're doing research, somebody might go online and be like, "What's the accident rate or the death rate?" And they'll be like, what's the most dangerous job? Well, airline or pilot is number two. And it's like, okay. That, so you look at where they get those statistics. It's from what we call like doctor killer planes. So the, <laughs> so a guy, like a really rich guy owns a plane, doesn't take it seriously, flies into a cloud, oh, into a mountain. Jeez. Um, actually, it's kind of uh, interesting. So like I said before, if you want it to be safe, you got to take it seriously practice and make sure you're on top of it yeah if you do that you'll be fine man hmm. you the best thing in the world is 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 predict you know per, you just don't want to get in anywhere close to a situation where yeah. it becomes an actual danger i guess and we teach you that constantly and not non-stop that's risk management, a huge thing so those statistics are very skewed because it comes from those people that own their own planes they fly like twice a year or something yeah they're like technically current but not what we call proficient and they don't take it seriously. Uh, Some guys that don't, we have all kinds of weather app applications now in the old days. You just be like, well, what's the sky look like and go up (laughs) now. It's like, okay, what's the weather? I got the, these four different uh, forecasts that I'm comparing together to like have an idea. Okay. Where am I going? Um, How much fuel do I need to take? How much extra, extra fuel do I need to take? Where am I? Like, yeah, you have a, we can have a, I used to carry a little iPad. It has all the information and you can be, you set your, your limitations there. Yeah. It's so safe. So those statistics, like it's the most dangerous job. Actually, it's one of the safest. And yeah. Uh, especially in the airline world or corporate, even corporate world, uh, is probably second to airlines in the U S especially like we haven't had a major u.s airline accident since 09 oh okay so like nine years of nothing no matter how many millions and millions of hours and passengers that we've taken you have more chance of dying by a, a bookcase falling on you than you do getting dying in an airplane yeah <laughs> at that level um so so yeah that barrier there <laughs> is kind of it is definitely a little scary in that sense if people the people misunderstand it they don't know um, knowledge is power especially yeah like in those in those movies because it's dramatic yeah we have those reactions to the public you know it's so like oh man unfortunately we had these like 250 people died in this crazy accident in vietnam or something like yeah oh being a pilot is scary blah 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 it's so dangerous and it's just not it's just not totally true it's so very skewed is uh is there like any I, I think about, like, the whole, you know, situation with uh, Sully having to, like, land in the Hudson mm. Bay or whatever. Is there any way to, like, properly land on water or, like, do you just got to kind of... Yeah, there, we have, I mean, we have checklists for there's everything. There's a training process. Um, he kinda. got partway through that checklist. He didn't have enough time. So he prioritized, you always, what do you say, aviate, um, navigate, and communicate. Mm-hmm. So his first priority, I mean, he had under a minute after takeoff or like a minute and a half maybe after takeoff Jeez. and a big plane that's not designed to glide very far yeah um so his quick decision making and we were all trained to do that so um there's a what we call ditching checklist where you kind of set up things also it helps it so it floats better mm-hmm. um 
he didn't get quite through all the trickles. That was why it sank a little bit earlier. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is, I guess you just try to go as slow and as gently as possible. Oh, okay. So that kind of your opera, it's just like gliding, you know? Yeah. And he, so I think he, I don't know, may have helped cause he's a glider pilot, but it's not like, um, I, I don't want to take away from what he, I mean, what he did was exactly what every pilot would hope yeah. that they would be good enough to do. And I think most, he would say that and most anybody is actually. Yeah. Um, we want to say like, Oh, he's a godsend. And it's like, yeah, he's a great pilot, but so are everybody a lot else. Of pilots, like... Every, uh, most other people probably would have done the same outcome. Yeah. Um, and he would be probably the first person to say that you ask anybody that like, um, that, uh, captain, they had that engine problem. They had engine failure or something recently. It was, a, a they kind of maybe because a woman pilot, um, she was the first one to be like, no, you know, there was a first officer there too. We were working together. Yeah. They're both prior military pilots and it's like, you know, um, what they did was awesome. But we have that standard. We practice yeah. engine failures all the dang time. That situation is a first, though. Yeah. Though what made that a huge deal also to the aviation world was, man, double dual engine failure right after takeoff, low altitude in a really busy city, biggest city in the world. Yeah. <laughs> or like a huge city like that. That is a uh, that was not something that they sat in a simulator. Was like, okay, this is what we're gonna do today yeah um now they do it but because we we study accidents to learn about yeah still yeah. i mean it, it like you said earlier it's pretty crazy how young aviation still really is i mean yeah the fact 100 that years it's ago like, you know yeah 100 years ago it's the where we went from how aviation was used in world war one versus you know how yeah it is to the, it's just 1907 you yeah know, kitty it's hawk just, and stuff it's just crazy like yeah, we went to space in what, sixty some odd years. Yeah, from Wright brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean... uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, and we um, the industry is. I I think one of the most proud things of the, of the that I I really like about the especially the airline world, but um, we have probably the best safety culture and record and um successful safety programs out of any industry ever and it's because one because people are public are scared and our reaction to those accidents has forced people to learn you know hey what are we going to do to not have this happen again yeah so that we call it tombstone um um i guess program making or decision making it's like oh we didn't know this was a problem until we had, you know, I think we had Tanner Reef was two 747s collided on the runway because there was dense fog. Like, what can we learn from that? And yeah. we are going to assure that that's not going to happen. Anymore. It's not like, hey, I'm going to try to do this again. We're like, okay, what hard line regulations and things can we do to prevent this from happening? Yeah. Because that loss of life is unacceptable. You compare the statistics on a lot of things industries yeah i'm even thinking about how doctors are just not treated like their fatigue programs it's it's, it's crazy like it's horrible and the fatigue program in the airlines is is been driven by accidents because fatigue is such a big factor that we have learned and accepted as being such a like okay now we got to have these mandatory rest times we will not if i call into work i don't get questioned at all it's just okay 
you're not ready for it. You got to be fit for duty, all this stuff. So like the, the safety culture has changed from I'm impenetrable because I'm a pilot. I know everything, you know, like, yeah, like they used to train to memorize like what's like, I don't know, the serial number on their propeller you're flying. Like who cares? Jeez. That's not going to like, literally <laughs> I've had these guys talk, you know, now we've learned be like, that doesn't really help you yeah, <laughs> in any situation. So how about we fill your brain with important stuff at a set of all this nonsense that you're never going to use. Yeah. Um, and the safety culture builds on that kind of idea of, Hey, these people are human. How do we learn? Okay. We need data. So we need data. How do we get data? We need people to self-report. Like, yeah. If I have an unstable approach and I land, how do we know about it? Yeah. And how can we learn from it? So We've developed this idea where, you know, we self-report as pilots and we, they try to really protect that and protect the pilot because it can be a lot of pressure, you know, um, there's a lot of money there's a lot of lives at stake. Yeah. And if you mess up, we, I'm more worried le- about, I don't know, missing a regulation that it might seem trivial to some people than I ever am getting anywhere close to being like, oh, that was dangerous. Yeah. Like, I'm not scared of being dangerous. I'm scared of, like, a little regulation that is meant, is one of those doors to stop you from going down towards something dangerous, I guess. Yeah. Our safety culture is just outstanding. I, I It's something I really want to get involved in. But we've learned so much through science, technology, research, professionals, all of us work together so much to, like, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, in our, it's the big thing they push now is the culture of it because they want people to self-report because they don't learn anything if <laughs> yeah. we still kind of have these old some of these guys are kind of like um apprehensive about it and they have the right to be because before when they're like they would roast you if something went wrong you know yeah you're done you know we have you un- everybody's unionized for a reason right now and it's yeah. very there's a lot riding on split second decisions and so you both want to be protected and uh like attribute to that culture that safety at the same time yeah so it can kind of be kind of tough for guys yeah so but so i guess now you or well now you're actually flying but before that you had to go through so so many hours of like yeah the, right? uh, yeah so that's a an, an extra barrier to that pilot shortage so that's another finger to it as uh, we had all these people well mandatory retiring in the industry's bouncing back blah 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 we're trying to expand but also because uh um now after the 2009 accident that happened um even though that the hours that those pilots had was like thousands of hours had so the accident had nothing to do with how much time flight time they had Mm -hmm. um congress wanted something to happen so they basically enacted a thing where you have to uh you have to get a thousand hours um minimum if you have a four-year degree and that's approved to get that minimum or 1500 hours at the bare minimum if you you know you just flew a Cessna in circles so you could fly a Cessna in circles and get 1500 hours and qualify wow. um to get the license so the air transport license that is required yeah hmm. so it takes um so like we retire all those options it doesn't matter where that time adds up to but you do have to have that amount of hours yeah i could rent a cessna or i own my own i know a few people that they you know were lucky enough to have their own plane 
So they just, a lot of times, just fly, go flying or whatever. Or they would fly their own plane to a place to flight instruct. Yeah. And then fly back. So they're building actually like double time there. So mm, okay. it's just the amount of hours you log. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> and, you know, in most places, I think now don't really care um, where your hours come from, honestly. They don't care at all. Yeah. You got a heartbeat, you're certified, you're medically good to go, and you know, you know, you prove you pass their training or you know whatever you're, you're hired flag. you can get hired pretty easy now wow um is if you you're certified you're good pretty much you mm-hmm. got a lot of guys like in my class when i got hired on the regional airline um i had guys from all over you know military i had a he's a ex navy helicopter guy who actually flew in the airline for a while in oh three oh seven but was getting paid so little that he was like, I can't do this. Got yeah. out of the industry. So he went from helicopter to uh, jet. But uh, And now he's back in. He went back in there recently because the pay started getting better. He wanted to fly again. So yeah. A lot of guys are like, miss it, usually. Yeah. They, they fly a desk for a little bit, and then they're like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. And they, they'll they take a you like triple pay cut. I don't know. Jeez. A third. Of, I, uh, a guy in my captain training right now, he's a ex-air force colonel who actually worked on my the base i was at uh he was a commander and a squatter and he did he actually after he did all kinds of stuff he was a pilot in the air force but then got a nato job um overseas in europe and yeah. went to a food place i think he was in afghanistan for a while and bahrain um some other places but he was just like, yeah, I was making hand money hand over fist but i just miss i just wanted to fly you know so he came yeah. he probably got paid um, starting an airline now, you could probably expect thirty-five to forty-five, maybe. Yeah. Uh, a year, he was probably making like, I don't know, five times as much as the NATO Jeez. guy. Jeez. You know, I'm sure because government contract kind of thing. Yeah. And he he just wanted to fly. He missed it. So. Wow. You get these guys from all over the place, uh, all kinds of different experience. But, um, I know right now you are qualified. You pass a little technical interview, maybe, something like that. They'll they're gonna hire you <laughs> wow and they'll give you 20 grand on top of it Jeez. so yeah it's kind of weird yeah so it's definitely worth like if, so- if somebody wants it like mm-hmm. there's options out there right now right now is the best time in the history of aviation to be an airline pilot um or even corporate is a little bit slower um i think to react but now they're even hurting and trying to get hired from schools and stuff because they're same amount of people. You got these baby boomers who took all the jobs. Yeah. And 9-11, all these hour requirements now. Like, because you're out of college, you're scared of the money it costs and yeah. then how much you're going to make after that. As a flight instructor, you're not going to make... I think I was making... And it depends on weather. So, like, if I don't... I didn't fly that day, I didn't get money for that day. Oh. I could have been sitting at the airport for 10 hours, got paid for three of it, maybe. Shit. that sucks because you're logging per student check-in check-out time basically in you know flight hours and then if the weather's too bad you can't go up in a cessna like you can in a jet yeah you know so it's just it was it was it was stressful it wasn't it was not my favorite um and there's just a lot of challenges with that i'm not i don't think i'm the guy that's meant to be a teacher in the first place yeah i enjoy flying and stuff but it's just uh it is a lot to handle as a flight instructor. So, um, but like you said, you, you can find other things that are just not as readily available. The easiest job to get 
right out of training is a flight instructor. You, yeah. just, you just have to get your flight instructor license. But you don't have to have a, like a certified flight instructor license to get a job in a regional airline. Yeah. They just want the hours. Okay. Um, but um, the CFI thing is kind of a, like, I know that guys just kind of do it on the weekends now for fun. Yeah. They cheat some friends. They tell their friends or something. Whatever. I don't know. Cheat some Nike execs or Nike mm-hmm. people to fly some plane there and there and they just make a little extra money on the side and whatnot. So it's a good thing to have because once again, it does expire. You just, every two years you go online and take a course and you, you push the FAA and you got it in. So I keep mine, you know, for that reason as a plan C or something. Yeah. Also, you know, I want to do some lessons maybe here and there eventually, but like teach my wife how to fly. She wants to do it. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. So you'd have to get quite a bit of hours. It can take, so I would say if you did a college program, four-year degree, probably four years, unless you transfer stuff in, like me, you could, I did it in like two and a half. Mm-hmm. You could do it even less. I, did, I didn't do it as hardcore as I could have. Yeah. Um, if you did a, just a regular airport for the training, you could probably get it done in like a year, year and a half, maybe, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar with the timeline on that because I, I did the structured courses usually. So. Oh, okay. And Chinese students are different because all they do is fly. That's all they exist to do yeah. every day. Yeah. So it really depends on your schedule, how much you're available, and once again, how much prepared you are to every day. So how much are you... I would suggest anybody that's going to do it, do the discovery flight for a find out, get your information down, have an idea where you want to do, how much money you need and you can get. Get all the money set aside before you start because you don't want to start i had a student um domestic student who he was a forest firefighter out here in the northwest so on the summer he he made a bunch of money you know came back and wanted to use that but he didn't want to take any loans because there's only so much he already had gone to college so there's only so many loans you can get and it's gonna be pretty tough so but the problem with um paying as you go is the the total cost is just gonna be longer it's gonna take a lot longer and it, it's going to be like, you're going to have review lessons. So your recency, if you like, you feel like once a week or once every two weeks, like he was, you're just not going to get as it's going to take a lot more hours to yeah. do it. In college, we did about, yeah, you tried to get at least two in a week, depending on whether you yeah. signed up for three labs or whatever. You try to get at least two in. So that would finish you within the, the semester for that course. But, uh, yeah. Chinese student will go from private pilot to flying the first officer position in a little turbo prop plane in like wow. a year and a half or Jeez. less less than a year or something. So um, there's a lot of different uh, timelines on that stuff, I guess. So and what's that transition like going from Cessna to like a commercial? I mean, like it seems like it's like going from like a C ten, you know, S ten truck to just like a you know a semi truck. Like it just seems yeah, like it's a huge. It, it's another one of those things. I think the people just don't. It's the same science, I guess. Yeah. The same aerodynamics, um, same controls. Um, you're gonna have a lot more systems, um, a lot more requirements there. The training is going to be per aircraft. When you get in a turbine aircraft, you have to be trained for that aircraft. In an airline where you only fly one, one type of aircraft at a time. And we do that because you don't want to get confused. It's a safety thing, basically. Um, not saying you're totally unsafe. If you flew like uh, corporate, you might be like, I think you only most places only do one. But you could be maybe doing two um, 
possibly three some places maybe but uh in the airline world we're so strict the the airline world is so is the strictest of all of them um for the reason <laughs> obvious reason for people yeah but um you, you you get trained per that aircraft so i got trained on this one i'm getting upgrade on the same aircraft because it makes it that makes it a lot easier for me turning to transition but uh, airplane is a plane i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no, um you have the same it's it's just bigger a little more complicated but flying it you you just build that muscle memory and that's mm. why we've trained simulators really a lot to get it's very close in the simulator nowadays yeah so you go from a sim straight to your first landing with people in the back <laughs> that'll yeah. probably make a lot of people nervous but um you're always with uh, a a Czech airman who's like the cream of the cream of the crop, the guy who's checking everybody out, who's certified by the FAA in an extensive program on top of his already extensive uh, history and training to check out new people. And he, you are technically qualified to fly that plane at that point. It's just you haven't actually landed the thing. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it seems crazy, but it's just, I think the idea is, is basically, you know, that most people would are like oh it's a giant plane it's going so fast and stuff but like the process from a cessna like who you call on a ground taxi the taxi things that we teach you on a cessna um writing down clearances you read things back the same way each like taxi takeoff cruise flight approach and landing have all the same aspects to it yeah it's, it's the same structure in the um um, airspace, same airspace, same people you're talking to, same regimented um, radio calls. You get, you just it becomes second nature. Yeah. So the the hardest part about maybe going from a Cessna to a a, a jet for is basically things move a lot faster. However, yeah. however, you're um you have to get used to the distance when you do things. Okay, it doesn't yeah. take that. You get that. You kind of take care of them in the simulator. They're yeah. not gonna. They're not going to put you in that seat unless they know for sure that you're good to go. Okay, I mean, it, that makes it, sense. There is, it's very extensive. Um, yeah. And we do our check ride in the simulator with a person certified by the, the company and the FAA to observe two people flying, even though they're only testing one of you. Yeah. Um, and you go through emergencies and all, all the normal options. You might, and you do one flight where it's like from takeoff to landing, all the same normal stuff that... You know, so they can see every aspect of it and know that you're ready so yeah um and they're very strict <laughs> we yeah have, we have really high standards um what we, we, we would say high standards yeah so they'll they'll know so yeah. most people that like go to land their first commercial jet yeah. with people like they, they're probably pretty chill like, yeah probably not... uh, yeah i mean we are nervous okay um, i mean we're definitely nervous but um people i think a lot i've had questions like things are moving so fast you're like how do you where do you th are you worried about having you know 80 100 people in the back like you don't think about it yeah because you your brain has you're so focused it's like a lot of jobs i'm sure a surgeon's not thinking about a word like oh this guy's gonna die yeah because he's so he's got so much to that job right mm -hmm. and he's only got so much he's so focused to what you're doing right um that you, you don't think about um anything else really. yeah you just close I, I all know. those other variables yeah your brain is on autopilot autopilot <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and we do land the play i've got people ask us yeah are you even land the thing anymore like oh, yeah yeah 
Yeah, we um, and autopilot is a in the automation of aircraft has gotten even more extensive because it's a safety thing. Yeah. Um, humans are poor monitors. We we've learned flight physiology and all the science goes into a fatigue and all that. We are really bad at like it's to think if you're watching paint dry, you know, yeah. when did, and you're just like waiting for something to crimple. Like I'm watching a bunch of gauges and I'm waiting for something to happen. But you, I, it's kind of a bad analogy, but we're poor monitors in general. We're trained to monitor things and we have things. So that's why we have autopilot to also, oh, okay, I don't have to think about the controls mm-hmm. now. I have more of my brain power to scan and observe other things that are going on, Yeah, I guess. Like I know what the plane's doing, but I can take my eyes off it without it just plumbing to the air. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah I, it's just you're using less of your brain. So it allows you to, and plus you have two people in the cockpit, so... Yeah. at all times so it, it, it gets a lot, it's a lot safer that way in general in a really busy environment there's a lot of talking going on so you also have to decode like what's people saying to you what you have to do okay this train over there we're aware of this procedure there so there's a lot going on um but yeah you're 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 you you know what to expect i guess yeah yeah so it helps we when we land it every time you know basically we do yeah. at, actually my aircraft does have an auto land feature we do now but that's only for where there's a lot of fog or something that are very low, what we call minimums or for landing. So yeah, well, every other time we're doing it. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's very few that even have an auto land or even it costs money to implement that on an yeah. airline. Everything's money driven, so <clears throat> you don't necessarily have to have it, and then you're not, you know, you're not going to do it. And so, have you had to do all those, uh, like the this is your pilot, so and so, like. <laughs> yeah. all the, is that all is that a script that like where is you just fill in the blank like what it was you... pretty much off the wire but my first i mean they have a in the manual you have every aspect of everything oh, okay so you have <clears throat> i mean there's tons of manuals it's just you have the operating manual for the aircraft you have the a company manual which is huge which just has everything you think of from when to board how to hold how long to hold when to wait for catering who Who's in control of this? Who do you talk to? <laughs> Everything yeah. you could possibly think of for company policy. Plus, you're also regimented by obviously the FAA um, regulations. Um, so you kind of goes down the line. You have FAA regulations, which is the bare minimum for anything, obviously. Then you have company policies that are a little bit more strict than the FAA requirements usually any operation like a flight school or anything a little more strict and then you have your own limitations that are a little more stricter than that yeah so you operate on <laughs> um a lot of different layers there that's another it's the safety thing you know but um where was i going with that no, I forgot. oh the readings like the whole oh yeah yeah so so on the manual they had um uh suggested readings and they have oh, like okay. requ- well there's a couple of required ones like we're required when we turn the seatbelt sign on or off mm-hmm. to say something like oh. we have to say mandated by FAA to say, oh, when you are seated, please have your belts fastened. Oh, okay. And when you're, you know, and when we turn it back on, we're supposed to say it. So either the flight attendants do it or we do it. Or sometimes they, they don't do it if it's like really late at night. Everybody's not paying attention anyway. Okay. But yeah, we're supposed to say something like, but that one's pretty easy, but my yeah, they, fa- they didn't really, so there's guidelines i guess for yeah. it just to help you out but it mostly was just like hey do it and they're like uh. yeah so but like essentially you could say whatever, whatever yeah like, you, you, you could just be try like, you know i'm going through that captain thing and they're like giving you a, a 
better more direction on it because you're the captain oh okay um so you have to utter yeah it's it's a balance it's like being a politician kind of <laughs> yeah because you're like okay i don't you don't want to lie you know they tell you you're not gonna lie but you're not gonna outright tell everybody the options of what's gonna happen if you're on fire you know yeah yeah <laughs> for sure so <laughs> Um, and then also a timeline thing. So you're always thinking, how much time do I have and what do I actually need to say? So there's a lot to it actually during different situations, but in general one, like just like, Hey, yeah, we're having a sunny day, blah, blah, blah. And that's just whatever, you know? Yep. Yeah. You want to be to the point. Don't want to say a bunch of acronyms. People don't know. But you yeah. could be like, yeah, weather's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get there this time. Yeah. Some people do. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you got these old guys, man. They don't. <laughs> they just don't care they don't, some of them don't even do it i just do it sometimes for them because they just don't like i hate pas and they're like i don't want to do it yeah you know we we're pilots up in the front and we shut the door because a lot of people we don't want to deal with yeah customer service that's not our that makes sense it's not yeah. our primary job but we, so but can you keep that open or no like the, the like door it, yeah no you can't no not after 9 11 yeah no. that's kind of what i figured no it's uh yeah no yeah there's a whole process to even me having to go out and pee I really oh. wish we could just had a bathroom in the cockpit. Well, yeah. We don't. There's a bottle <laughs> or something. <laughs> that was one of the most annoying things I had to learn is like, okay, when do I drink water? Because I don't want to drink it during yeah. flight because I really don't want to have to go three times. Yeah. Because so, everybody has to sit down in their seats. The flight tent's supposed to block the aisle and all that. So, like, Because you want to secure the flight deck. Yeah. But you still need to go to the bathroom. It's... If there's like if there's like some, some shit hitting the fan, like, you know, in the back or whatever, do you guys, do you hear about, like, will a flight attendant be like, hey, just, you know, it's an individual that's sick or something rather, like... Yeah, um, the big thing is communication or a flight crew, um, so you think about, as a captain, a captain, the title comes from the Navy, actually, how we operate a ship, the same authority applies to a captain of an aircraft, hmm. um, you are the pilot in command, so you are in command of that aircraft. You can you can deviate from anything of emergency. So we, um, whatever you deem necessary, done. Captain says if you don't listen to a flight crew, that's a federal crime. Um, if you don't, I mean honestly, um, if you don't, it's very strict. Um, I don't. Some people don't understand the seriousness of that. And we yeah. are mandated mandated by law to do these things. Even this belt sign, the thing we have to do. You know, the flight attendants pointing the exits. Yeah, it's very strict, and we do it for a reason. Like you can't put your um, I guess to answer your other question, your question, we, we talk, we, that's a big part of being a cruise. Yeah. Um, if they deem it as a concern, um, below 10,000 feet where it's a call a sterile environment hmm. that is more sensitive time. They will, I, we, I always, you know, we always tell them, okay, you can call below, us below 10,000 feet. That's okay. And especially in emergency, we have an emergency button, but don't understand. We might not answer right away depending on what we're doing. You know, if we're busy, we're not going to answer to Hawk Flight Attendant because somebody puked. Um, but, yeah, we talk. You know, we always call back and forth like, hey, you know, we're going to have this food. At, you know, the van's going to be here at this time. Oh, <laughs> and okay. we, we, we talk. We're a crew, you know. Yeah. And that's important to the operation. So safety, too. especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. So um, Elisa kind of actually, she wanted me to ask, and I don't know if you know anything about this, but, like, like I saw <laughs> – I saw this video <laughs> and everything, and Elisa was wondering, is do do those guys the baggage <laughs> handlers like? Do they really give a shit? Like, are they mindful of that stuff, or they're like, we don't? Most give of them. them 
um, are because they don't want to get in trouble because of this. <laughs> yeah. Because they know everybody's got a cell phone if they're so, smart. Somebody just chucking. If chuck they're smart. Bags. But man, those guys do not get paid well. Really? And the, their turnaround is so fast because they could get, like, um, Seattle, for example, they're pretty slow, but it's because they're one understaffed and they're on a continual rotation because, man, that job sucks. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> the job sucks, man. Like, and you're not going to get quality people that are going to do it then. Yeah. Because the quality people are going to get a different job getting paid more, probably. Yeah, it seems um, like it would be a pretty, like, kind of quick pace, like, yeah. job. There's a lot you got to do, and there it is regulated, and you can get big trouble, you know? Like, those guys, it's kind of crazy in some places, the guys driving those luggage cars all around, and we're trying yeah. to, like, park the plane. If you cut off somebody, like, you cut us off trying to park, that will oh, get you in man. trouble. Well, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um obviously um yeah but we've had it happen you know and we're like hey we gotta get a hold of the manager or we tell the air traffic controller and that's not the call that they're gonna want to get yeah um so (laughs) there's a lot of safety that's once again it's driven by safety so we have those standards but baggage stuff man that that, i don't know if that's ever gonna get better until they pay more (laughs) there's no way to like really make sure your stuff gets true to care there's a lot of places that are really good like our guys in uh, minneapolis man they're awesome yeah um really nice they even wave at the plane when it back, backs up oh, at first okay. we were like what what are they doing <laughs> why are they waving at us me and the captain <laughs> and the guy's like oh yeah we just do that you know here because we're yeah, great they're just nice yeah they're just great midwesterners you know but and you go to like new york guard it's just a hard job yeah i i don't know at, at one point i'm like i would just expect your luggage not to be Honestly, if you want to protect yourself, don't put something sensitive you in. Just mail it if to you. If you take a carry-on. Yeah. If it's something glass, you mail it or <laughs> yeah, take it with you cuz yeah, I I wish you could say it was better, but yeah. If you pay like crap, you're going to get <laughs> crap. Yeah. And I did I actually uh, I meant to ask you to kind of explain um the importance of like people not shining like a laser pointer up in this because oh I, yeah I've, some people have no idea yeah i've never felony. really thought like until you explained it like why is that such a yeah, thing yeah it's the same but, with the drone thing yeah because i think i've heard a lot of people say like it's not like i'm actually going to get it in their eyes like i'm yeah, not gonna do. you know it there's a scientific term for it but um when it hits the cockpit uh the angle of the windshield and because our windshields are um i think du- double planed or triple planed um, for pressurization reasons, and we could like basically bulletproof. Um, uh, hits it and it blows up. Yeah. So it doesn't just. It's not a dot that just goes straight through and hits somebody in the eye. It yeah. the whole cockpit glows. Yeah. And if you're looking at it, it hits you in the eyes. It'll temporarily blind you. So you can imagine if you're landing with 300 people on board and you get temporarily blinded, it's not good. <laughs> yeah so it is a very very serious um and the police and everybody takes it very seriously it's actually i've had it so we if i'm going to airport they they're like they'll put it on our when we go to each airport we get a little information like ticker kind of thing it tells mm-hmm. us what's going on weather and stuff and they'll say laser event so and so from the airport watch out for it um, blah 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 and there's probably like five different units of police going over there to catch whoever it is oh okay yeah <laughs> so you can actually look the funny part is you'll look for videos of uh some guy this is a freaking police helicopter flying over the city and he sees a laser 
and you uh-huh. just it's a police helicopter it can track you oh damn. so he, the dude is just tracking and talking to his buddies on the ground yeah and the guy's still shining at him and then the, when the police come the guy like drops it and runs Man. And you're like, you just, you're on an IR camera, man. <laughs> like, they'll get you. Yeah. And that's a felony. Sorry, Jeez. bro. Like, that's a, and it's the same with, uh, it's kind of similar to the drone thing. Like, um, drones are pretty big. And actually, I think I just had an aircraft, uh, fucking went, went through the front end of an aircraft. Oh, really? Uh, they th- said it was, a. Eh, they're not too sure until the investigation comes through, but it went through the front end, destroyed the radar of, uh, like, 737. Jeez. Um, you're going very fast. Yeah, there's a lot of energy. Yeah, it doesn't take much. That imagine that if that goes in your engine, you're losing engine. Yeah, you lose an engine on short final. There's a lot of dangers that could happen there. Um, it'd probably be fine. We're trained for all that and whatnot. One engine is really not a big deal. Yeah. Um, we do that constantly. The plane will fly just fine for whatever. Mm, but okay. um, it's still very dangerous and it's unacceptable. Like uh, it, I almost hit one in a Cessna. Oh, really? Uh, flying around in the pattern. Wow. Um, and I'm like trying to land and it goes zipping past. I'm pretty sure it was because it was, it was solid. It wasn't, I know what birds look like. It was like a yellow one or something. I'm pretty sure. But we, we told the traffic controllers right away and they're like trying to get more details from us um, because they report it to the FAA. Oh, okay. Every event, like laser pointing, bird or uh, bird strikes, rejected takeoffs, a lot of these high, these very concerned things that they want to get data from, and they track and they uh, they go after you. Yeah. So they were trying to go after it because I wasn't really sure at the time. Plus, I had to focus on the landing and the student, so um, they look for like the usually like in parks or something, and they just go too high because they don't know any better. And, oh, okay. Yeah, stuff like that. So it's very dangerous. That hit. It would go through and kill, kill me. You know. Yeah. I uh, hit the wing of a aircraft. You lose control of it, and that's yeah, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. A bird will bounce off better than a drone would. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is there any other like misconceptions that you can maybe like think of or anything that maybe people think and isn't just a case? You know. I don't, I don't know. I think the biggest thing people are are like justifiably kind of scared there's a lot of people that just don't like flying because they're justified like your not body is not made to fly yeah i understand that it's so it is by nature a dramatic thing yeah <laughs> um but also it's it's very exciting and it is way more accessible to people and we especially need more women because we're just missing out on a lot of talent out there if we're not yeah. getting those so i think that is a I would really like to drive that because we're just missing out on so much talent by mm-hmm. not 5% women. Come on. Yeah, that's 45% that's of the population. We are not like, we're not getting those people. Um, but the biggest mix is people are just saying, always think it's so dangerous. They always think it's so dangerous. And it, it's basically just because we're operating. It is kind of crazy what we're doing. I mean, I guess we're going really fast. A lot of people, it's a really big thing that's going through the sky, but it's crazy. I mean, if you were to go back 200 years and tell Yeah, I don't like, know what the Wright brothers would be starting to oh, see yeah. like a, you know, double-decker 1047. Oh, yeah. Literally a million pound weight. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, just to be able to tell somebody like, oh, yeah, in like 200 years, you'll be able to get from, you know, this to place to Australia in oh, like we're the on same Mars day. Now. Yeah, yeah, right? And uh, like, yeah, what? Yeah. But, yeah, it's just biggest part like you could just do a little bit of research you could see some of the tests that we do on the aircraft how yeah. they're manufactured man we have 
probably quadruple the triple at least triple backups for every single system okay that we could you could possibly think of and yeah one engine is not a problem that's a big that's a big one people think are really scared of an engine failure yeah one engine we're all of our performance builds these huge buffer in for having one engine we could go anywhere on one engine that's fine how much do most how many engines are is it usually just two or uh, two for airline okay. at least uh i think in yeah and then the corporate changes you could be single engine sometimes too but okay. even then you lose an engine you're gliding you're not gonna be you, you're not gonna be like over the ocean single engine yeah and a single engine aircraft you know it used to be we had to have three engines for that for intercontinental like intercontinental stuff but oh, okay yeah so yeah i don't know and man now with all the technology we have and just the crazy amount of safety and regulations i just people just have no idea the amount that takes to just do one flight yeah i, I could list so many there's the pilots all their training everything the maintenance people everything like that the aircraft has to be perfect basically perfect every little scratch that we find we have to write up like the armrest doesn't work oh we have to write that up oh really yeah and sometimes there's a there's a something that we have to do before that yeah like we can't allow somebody to sit in that seat and if yeah or if uh, straps don't work on here blah 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 we can't have somebody sit there every single thing is meticulously detailed yeah um it's not like they just send this up like yeah we're sure it's all right we yeah didn't check like it. i said it's not your like you know your uncle's jalopy yeah, yeah. <laughs> even like a private little cessna aircraft yeah um, is very simple and the technology it's such a stable plane um yeah there but there are very strict standards to like you can't modify that plane on your own without yeah. getting a certified approval for that it's not like work on your car i could just throw a alternator in now i have to get the right alternator for the part number it has to be approved for the aircraft the weight has to be accounted for so there's any weight difference that changes oh, it wow. so the center of gravity changes it you have to write that up it has to be approved by a maintenance Jeez. technician that's just for assassin yeah um and in that kind of level it's just insane how much detail there is so yeah it, and some of this new composite stuff on the aircraft man the wings are not going to fall off one engine's fine and you know it's uh Every day we're learning more and more how to be safer oh, yeah. and safer. So, yeah. I guess that's fine. All right. Well, cool, man. <laughs> um, well, good job on, you know, getting a captain. You know, oh, yeah, thanks. And, everything. <laughs> and I'm sure that there's still going to be more stories in, you know, years to come and everything. So you'll have to come on and talk again about yeah. more stuff. And, you know, if there's anything else that you ever want to talk about, you should totally. Uh, yeah, if you get anybody that's interested or anything, shoot me a thing and we could talk about it. Yeah, so or if even anybody if, wants, uh, uh, or if anybody wants, I don't know, just to point them in the right direction. I can do yeah, that too. Yeah, well, what's a good way if somebody was like, I just, I'd like to ask this guy a few questions, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. What's a good way to contact you? Um, yeah, um, let's see. I guess you could use uh, one email. It's just. <laughs> It is going to be funny, but it's kind of my one email, jetfuelfrank at gmail.com. Jetfuelfrank at gmail.com? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, if you have any questions, uh, you can contact Gabe at jetfuelfrank uh, <laughs> at gmail.com. And, uh, I mean, there's so many – there's a lot of questions. We could really just keep talking for hours <laughs> if, if we had enough time and everything because it's an interesting career field that a lot of people don't really ever get to know mm -hmm. about. It's just – 
you know, people buy the plane tickets to go from point A to point B. And they, yeah, we're kind of used to it now, but it's a pretty amazing yeah, thing. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more to it than I think people realize. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think it's a, you know, a cool field to be a part of. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing all the info with yeah, me. Yeah, no problem, man. It's been fun. That's it for the episode this week. I hope you guys enjoyed the show and my conversation with Gabe Vosberg and were able to learn a few things about aviation and flying that maybe you didn't know. Uh, Tell your friends and family about the show and then it can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at No Particular Podcasts. There you'll see when I upload episodes and what they'll be about. Feel free to share thoughts and ideas with me at noparticularpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your listenership. Check back next week for another episode of the show.